episode four. Four. I actually forgot then. I was going to say five. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, what have we done? <laughs> We've already, well, well, it's been, it's been longer than usual, hasn't it? Because we, we, uh, we're not, we're up to scratch with this one. And there was more adaptations than you can shake a dead cat at. Yeah, God. God, like a little uh, early reference to the story there. I did. It was lovely. It was lovely. You've definitely uh, written that down, haven't you? You've got yourself no, a little. Actually, no, I actually didn't. I actually didn't. I actually didn't. List of quips. Promise, promise. I didn't. That was just off the top of my head. But yeah, okay. there was we because we did. Um, well, the book anyway was awesome. Well, thank you for introducing me. The book, by the way, as we haven't mentioned, it's uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo oh, yeah. by Steve Larson. I'm sure people will read the title of the episode. Yes, but yeah, one would the novel hope. is, uh, or the story, even I sh- we should say, is the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, the book came out in 2005, but yeah, um, I loved it, and it's the first the first episode we've done where I had no idea what it was about. Yeah, it's good. It's in, in fairness, uh, little spoiler for the last two episodes, but it's it's the the only one that. Um, are you are you going to spill the beans on the last two episodes? No, no, I'm not going to spill the beans. I'm just going to say okay. it's the only one that one of us hasn't read or consumed in the past. Like all the others, we've listened, we've listened right, to okay, the albums, yeah, yeah, or we've read the books, we've read the comic books. But this one, you hadn't read and cons- or consumed anything. Had you? any version of it? Any I version actually, of it. I actually thought because I, I remember when it was kind of at its peak, just because the name was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea what it was about. For some reason, I think I had, I had some idea that it was set on a train. No idea why. I think it's maybe because the the, the girl on the, the Orient Express and, and yeah, well, yeah. That. Was it the Was there something called the girl on the train? Yeah, yeah. It's not a sequel. Is it? Is it the same? No, no. It's it's completely unrelated. Okay. Well, it's it might just... be a mix of that and the fact that she had a dragon on her back, and I was like, okay, that's an Oriental design. Murder on the Orient Express. Like, they all just mixed together in my head. And I had it in my head for some reason that it, it was, like, some kind of enchanted tattoo. And it would, like, it would slither off and go and do its own things. Then it would come back. I thought the tattoo would be pivotal to the story. It's and it barely wasn't. referenced. It's barely referenced. It's, it's shown maybe once or twice yeah. in every version. But despite the, uh, the, the strange, almost nonsensical title, it was really good. Well, in, really interestingly, you say that the title is nonsensical. Um, the Swedish title, do you know the Swedish title? For yeah, I found it about 10 minutes ago, yeah. It uh, li- literally translates as Men Who Hate Women. Yeah, I, I, I had a, a look before when I was looking for, for a couple of other things. I yeah. had no idea. And I think which that, which w- makes more sense. It does, because there are lots of men in this book that hate women. I think all yeah. of them have issues with women in the book. Yeah, and, in the degree. story. But maybe that's a bit on the nose. Maybe just tell the story and let everyone else, you know, draw their own conclusions of who hates women and who doesn't. Of, of who hates women and who doesn't, which is a lot of people in this book. Uh, I, we've got the conundrum now of how we're going to trigger the theme tune because this is quite a dark book. Yeah. So thanks for that, Pete. For all these You're nightmares welcome. that you put into my head <laughs> that you had to consume four times. How can we respectfully? Uh, get into the theme tune. I don't know, why don't we just play the theme tune now? Okay. Okay. 
I love how the theme tune happened there, but all that happened was me and you staring at each other like, is that it? Is so that playing it through in our heads. Have you done the right amount of bars? <laughs> and it's done. <laughs> right, so yeah, there were straight in four versions of this that I read. You you read three and a half. Three and a half. Best. Um, yeah, so... You flicked uh, through the fourth. I, I did, so we've... There is the book, obviously, uh, by Steve Larson. There are two films. Two that, that. Let's go through the timeline because I've got the the dates here as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I've got them down as well. Uh, the book came out in two thousand and five, but it was yeah. published in English in two thousand eight. Um, after that was the Swedish film. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce who directed it. Uh, Niels. Yeah, Niels Arden Oplef. It's got Michael Nyquist, who's the bad guy in John Wick, and Numi Rapace, who's the love interest in uh, Sherlock Holmes. That's, is that's she? What, I didn't recognise either of them, and I've seen that, John Wick, but I didn't get onto that. Yeah, I, I, it took me a while. I was like, I fucking know him. I know him. Where do I know him from? And then I went on Wikipedia <laughs> and found that he's the bad guy in the first John Wick, and I was like, fucking hell, of course he is. Um then after that we have um a 2011 Hollywood film David Finch directs it Daniel Craig and Rudy Mara are the um the main two and then there is yeah. also a comic book well there's two volumes of the of the comic yeah the two volumes novel. when when did that come out do you know 2012 the year after the american one and the, and the it's dc who published the comic so that's no surprise that suddenly it came into the american awareness or mass awareness and then the comic came out the year after yeah and who is in front of me denise mina who has done cool. a few dc things uh, but i thought they were all <laughs> Really good. I, th- I think they were all kind of well. They were obviously the same narrative, but like set in different dimensions because everything was the same, but yet everything was different as well. All of the main yeah. points were there, but how they got to the points, how they arrived at them, just differed, just deviated slightly from the from the source material. Yeah, the the destination was always the same, but the journey was slightly different. A lot of characters to keep track of, not just the Vangas, which was confusing in itself. Yeah, it's uh, that's but, intentionally confusing because Mikhail says that Mikhail being the main character, Mikhail says all the time how confused he is by the amount of vangas that he has to remember. See, I was wondering that, but then I, w- I only watched the David Fincher one today, and I always, I didn't notice that. I, I was getting f- confused, but I didn't hear Blomqvist say once that he was. It was just kind of like okay, and that's that. You know, that's Harold, that's Isabella, and naming all the vangas. But then word for word, Daniel Craig says. Uh, I nearly read the wrong quote then. That was completely... That <laughs> <would've>... <laughs> it was um, Martin all along! <laughs> no! Too early, Pete! <laughs> he says, uh, I'm beginning to lose track of who's who here. Yeah, and I think, exactly I think how there's I a thought. similar line in the book. Um, I can't, I can't remember that... the book verbatim. It's, I've consumed three different types of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo since I read the book. So some of the... Uh, Quotes might be a little bit lost, but I'm I'm sure uh, he says something like that in the book as well a, a couple of times. I felt like it was a little more. If if it did mention it, I didn't latch onto it. And I think maybe because maybe he delivered it in a more nonchalant way, so yeah. it was kind of like, oh, this is confusing. But I just assumed he was so switched on. He's a very obviously a very clever guy that he yeah. was keeping track of it and was just kind of you know delivering mad bants to uh, to <laughs> Henrik. Um, yeah, 
Oh uh, yeah, before but, yeah, we move on, shit, I shit to the characters. I uh, also enjoyed them all. I only I skim read yesterday um, the first volume of the two part comic book, and it was pretty cool. I've made a couple of notes. Come some of the things that I noticed that jumped out. Of so me how were, so how come you didn't want cool to read the second different. volume before we did the podcast? Because um, you didn't want to I do the homework. Bothered leaving my house today, to be honest. I, I, I would have dropped that off for you. Oh well, why I'd didn't been you? off all day? Because you didn't ask. I thought I thought you weren't that asking about it. You were like, I've sk- you were like, I've skimmed volume one. I'm sure it I can matter. tell what happens it, with the rest of it. This is quite nice for me. You can you can tell me all about uh, volume two when we get okay. to it in three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> Should we? Right, I'm going to make the uh, analogy before. So before we started recording. You were saying, shall we come up with a structure like we usually do of, of how to talk about things? I think Civil War was fairly easy because that was just a straight narrative and we could pick bits and pieces out of what was different, extra characters, things like that. Yeah. Episode two was um, Watchmen, which is, again, very American similar. Idiot, I think you'll had... find. Sorry, my bad. <gasps> sorry, Billy Joe. I'm so sorry, Billy Joe. I'm Mike and Trey. Yeah, but that was e- but that was even more structurally valid because that was just, yeah. okay, let's talk about that song. Let's talk about that song. That, was, yeah. that had a framework. Direct ready comparisons. Yeah. Um, Watchmen, which was episode three. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was similar to Civil War in that it was the same start to end, but there were just slight changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This, there's four versions. Yeah. Which which was a lot. So what I'm suggesting we do is we do what Stieg Larsson does in the book with the Vangas which I thought was really clever that I realised while I was reading the book, that there's so many Vangas, but you're led of your own volition to come up with your own framework of, of working out who's who without just remembering the names. And the way I did it, which I think was the way he, he was leading me to do it, was everything comes back to Henrik Vanga. Yeah. He's, he's ground zero. So you lose track of who's who, and you're like, oh, shit, who's, who's Harold? I forget who he is. And you go, oh, it's, it's, it's Henrik's brother. Yeah. And then you go, oh, who's who's Godfrey? Because that's Henrik's brother. Yeah. Which which one's Cecilia? Oh, it's God. God. It's it's um, Henrik's brother's daughter. And it, yeah. and it becomes much easier to navigate that way because you've got a definite person you can come back to. I'm saying that we make the novel of this the Henrik Vanger of the of the story. Okay. So if ever we if ever we get lost, we come back to the 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 original book source material. The source material. Cool. I'm so glad you've explained where you're going with that because I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> How, what's he going to do? I was proud of that. No, I, no, I get good, it. It all pieced good, together at the end. It, it's a good way of navigating everything because there is, there's a lot. There's a, yeah. There's an absolute there shit ton. Yeah, a metric shit ton. To use the, uh, the Swedish measurements. Yeah. As I'm fluent in now. Right, where should we, where should we fucking start with this uh, Leviathan of... Of workload. Shall we start with the opening? Yeah. Should we just should we talk about the opening of the book and whether it differs in the other three versions? Yes, let's do that. The opening of the I book. Think, you start, Daniel. Go on. I think. Well, I think the opening of all four of them to start off easy is identical. Yeah. Yeah. So that they all start. It's just, they all open with, with, with the Wenerstrom case. Yeah, they all start with Mikhail uh, losing the the case. Well, actually, in, in fairness, they they all start with uh, Henrik getting through his his pressed flower, doesn't it? That's doesn't true. It? Yeah, the prologue. In in, in fairness. Yeah, uh, but again, identical is, as well. 
Yeah, the same. So Henrik gets his pressed flower and it's a bit like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? It doesn't explain and you don't find out the pressed flower kind of gets forgotten about. <laughs> I'm sure it just says there's an old man and he calls another friend and they go, did you get another one? And he goes, yep. Yeah. And it doesn't name them. You don't know who they are, what the relevance is going to be until uh, a little bit later on. Yeah, about 100 pages later when Mikhail is finally in Hedestad and he explains the pressed flowers, which is why he's absolutely convinced that uh, Harriet's been murdered. And then that kind of gets forgotten until the end. Yeah. Uh, which Because it's, it's not important for the investigation, really, so it's fine that it gets forgotten about. Although you say it's not, but you, I was about to say... I find it very difficult to believe that someone as savvy as Henrik Wanger, who ran this major corporation for years, didn't ever cotton on to the fact that, wait a minute, who else knows I have pressed flowers? And how, how else are they going to know that there's no repeats? Well, he he knows, but there, there are certain members of the family that know that Harriet gave him those flowers for his birthday. Are you sure? Yeah. Because in uh, the film today, he asks who else knows. He takes him into his... His flower room. Instead of it's not in the office in the David Fincher film. It's it's he's got this like in the attic, gloomy flower it? room where he's put them all separately. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, "Who else knows about this?" And he goes, "Me, you, uh, me, the police, and now you." Is it not like that in the book? No, I'm I'm sure that he it's close members of uh, the Vanga family, which is again another reason why he's absolutely convinced that it's a Vanga that's killed her. Okay. Uh, which doesn't really... Okay, so we've already opened up some, uh, some differences when I was saying there weren't that many. <laughs> but I, d- but yeah. I do agree okay. with you. In, in terms of, of that, Like I, I thought that when I was getting to the end of the book, I was like, how is he not even given a thought to the fact that well, actually it might found Harriet. Harriet's body? Uh, she sent me these flowers on my birthday. Maybe, maybe it's not tormenting me. Maybe it is her... Which was her intention. Her intention was to send uh, Henrik these flowers yeah. so, so that he knew that she was still alive, but it, it get, got lost in translation. Wee. Reg Keeland would have loved that joke. Would he? Is that yeah. the, the, tra- the, the translator? <laughs> yes, it is, Pete. See, you worked that out. Why couldn't Henrik work out that it could have been Harriet sending the flowers? Because he doesn't have my brain power. Yeah, that's true. That is a fact. Regardless of how you want to take that. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not necessarily the compliment you think it is. Um, but yeah, um, so the flowers happen in the, in the prologue and then we get to the Venestrum fallout. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's been very unfortunate and convinced of, convinced, convicted of libel. Yeah. Uh, which is a written slander for anyone who wasn't familiar with the, uh, the journalism. Terminology. Yes, yeah, sl- slander is vocal, myself. isn't it? If I yes. if I slander is vocal, yeah. call you a dickhead, it's slander. Well, that's not I, slander if I, if I am a dickhead. But if you're not a dickhead, okay, well, no. if I call you a nice person, then that is slander. <laughs> but if I write that you're a nice person on your Facebook wall, that's libel. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I know it's only a joke, but it hurts me. Um, but yes, he is convicted of libel, which is about the worst thing that can happen to a journalist. Yeah, his entire credibility is shot, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think Wait, before that... we go on, I don't know if you cool. know much about Stieg Larsson. There's a whole foreword about him in the version of the book that I have. Uh, that he... There wasn't a foreword. There, there was like a paragraph at the, the one of mine that just sort of 
a very very brief thing tells you that tells you that he, he died before any of his books got released. Yeah, he never and that he and that he himself all. was an investigative journalist too. I yeah, so I, I did see that again just b- before we came online. Uh, that the character of Mikhail is almost like hidden in a way, an investigative journalist yeah. that's sort of left leaning, expert in uh, or, or consultant even in far right and Nazi neo Nazi matters as well, which comes up in this book. Yeah, yeah, like the the there's a, the whole it's kind of a subplot, I guess, where yeah, loads of angers are Nazis, lots of them, lots of them, Swedish a Nazis whole, as well, a whole bushel of them. <laughs> is that the collective noun for Nazis? A bushel of Nazis, yes. Here comes the bushel of Nazis. Oh, <laughs> not Nazis. They're not like wildebeest. You sounded like David Attenborough then. That was the point. And they're worse than wildebeest. They are. But yeah, and then it just moves on to pretty quickly into his his kind of second chance or his shot at redemption, where Dirch yes. Frode, who is uh, Henrik Wanger's lawyer calls him and goes we want to we want to employ you and he's like oh, i've got too much going on now i've got to go to jail yeah i've got to pay all this money like it clears out his savings and they're like oh no we'll we'll make it worth your while and then he ends up on the fucking train to Hedestad. yeah going north yeah um, which just quickly i said jail time i didn't realize in the david fincher film daniel craig's blomfist gets no jail time they outwardly yeah. say and no jail time that's a bonus and i was like what yeah, he gets no jail time, and in the Swedish version, his jail time isn't in the middle of the book. It's at the sort of the end of his mm-hmm. investigation. He has to go into jail. Yeah. Um, instead of it being a weird sort of which, which five fair, pages I... in the book where it's like, oh, he yeah. goes to jail, and I he actually has to write about the end of his book. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame them for getting rid of it because even though it's obviously factually correct that he probably would get a bit of low security jail time. It doesn't really add much. He takes his laptop and carries on working while he's in there. So it's, yeah, it, it's a bit, it's a bit, the, the only part I did like about it was that when he came out of jail in the, in the book, um, Vanga gives him a big hug. Yeah. And that's what convinced me that I was like, okay, these two are actually becoming friends, which you don't get in any other version of it. No, you don't. Cause well, in, in the book, they've spent sort of six months in really close proximity with each other. Haven't they? And mm-hmm. you, you're right. You don't feel that closeness in the other ones. I think the the closest one that I felt the closeness in was David Fincher's one, where they're having some really nice banter. Uh when yeah, Hen- but, Henrik but is showing also... him the the who who the other Vangas are on the island and where they live. And they have a really nice sort of banter. And that's yeah. largely because Daniel Craig is playing him. Um I think it's but, also yeah, that, I think I don't know who plays Vanger in that version, but he also was like a, he was the warmest on screen or or on page. Well, on visual page, not necessarily the book. Um, the warmest version of him that I read, that yeah. I experienced, apart from the original one. Like the guy, the guy in the Swedish film was far too young and healthy looking. I think he was still obviously elderly, but he was upright. Like, hello, I want you to. We didn't even say the memoirs. There was no memoirs in the Swedish film, was it? it was just yeah. Where's just my Where's up. my niece? There was, yeah, there was it was just no straight up. Find my niece. Yeah, only gave him six months as well. Find my niece, six months. Don't care who knows. You don't have to dress it up with this memoir bullshit. Yeah, I think that. So the six month is is that's where his jail term is, and I think it it lessens the um, the weight. Yeah, well, it lessens the yeah the, the time that Mikhail has to do it. it. It sets more of a clock in motion. So oh shit, he's only got six months instead of in the mm-hmm. book where he has a whole year. 
And I'm pretty certain in the David Fincher version, he's never he's not given a limit. I don't think. Or he might no, he be. But is he given David a limit Finch- of time? Is he no, given a year? No, he, no, he's given unlimited time and he's given uh, quadruple the amount of money if he solves it, which is twice what it is in every other version. Yeah, because yeah, he'll double it. Yeah, he gets a, a, bo- a double, double his 2.5 yeah. million krona He bonus. just goes, you've got no time limit and if you solve it, I'll give you... He, he doubles his sal- what his salary was at Millennium every month. And he says the no time limit, you can have as long as you want, which is very trusting because you could just sit back and have loads of coffee and sandwiches, which he does anyway for most of the book. Yeah. Well, that uh, that's a, a good point, actually, that in the book that's said, isn't it? Where yeah, he's um, very strict about H- it. Henrik says, you know, don't just think that you can sit on your ass and do nothing for a year and not solve the mystery because I'd consider that a breach of contract. Yeah. So he's kind of like, he is nice and warm, but he is also a his employer. Man. And a yeah. businessman, which you don't you don't get as much in. Yeah, you just get a kind of older, tired, kind of lovely man in, mm. in the other ones. Um, right, so where were we up to in in this? Oh, um, so Salander or Salander, as I told you off for you did, but I was right because I'd seen yeah, the film were. before. <laughs> in, in, in um, <laughs> the, but before we move on, uh, there are actually some fairly big difference, a fairly big difference that I noticed about Mikhail's motivation for wanting to solve the Harriet case. Um, In the book, it's established that Mikhail spent a summer in Hedestead while his dad was doing some contractual stuff, wasn't he? And um, Harriet was like his babysitter, but Mikhail in the book has no memory of her. In David Finch's film, Mikhail has no memory of her. Uh, And the reason why he actually wants to solve uh, the the mystery in in both mm-hmm. of those versions is because the nail uh, in the yeah I think he gets I think the the phrase is it it'll give him when when head on a platter yeah um, which sort of is like oh right fuck yeah okay well yeah I'll do it no problem in the Swedish version he doesn't give him Wenestrom on a platter he, that's that's never on the table. And the reason why Mikhail, or at least how I took it, the reason why Mikhail wanted to solve the mystery is because he remembered Harriet as his babysitter does, and was actually, doing it for the memory does, of her. Does he not mention Venestrom's no. Venestrom's uh, downfall in the in the meeting in the Swedish one? No, no. I think he. I think. I think it's sort of. No, like, I don't think he does actually. No, it's it's sort of yeah, like right. shit. So, sorry that that's happened. Anyway, let's do this. Whereas in the mm-hmm. other version, shit. Sorry that's happened. Let's do this, and I can help you try and fix it. The, the Swedish version, jumping ahead several hours, um, and he, he gets Wenerstrom's head on a platter, which turns out to be absolute shit intel from Henrik. Um, mm-hmm. But in the Swedish film, um, Elizabeth does all the work. Elizabeth does it all, which she does, in fairness, in, yeah, in, the, in, other in the other two anyway. They just get rid of the mislead, but yeah, yeah. you're right. He has his, loads of nice, nice little flashbacks about yeah. being babysat by Harriet and stuff. His, uh, his motivation is completely different in that Swedish one, which I thought was a was a big thing. Yeah, and I think I, the I, reason I noticed that, but didn't really cotton on to the fact that that's what it was. That's yeah. that's that, yeah, that is a bit, very big difference. I I thought the reason that that happened is to make Mikhail a bit more human and actually care about this missing sixteen year old girl, as opposed to inwardly caring about himself however you say that i think in the swedish version you could you could argue he doesn't have a daughter you see him with a little girl 
but she's a lot younger than the daughter is described to be in every other version of it. And he's yeah. at his sister. He's at his sister's house, so that could equally be his sister's little girl. Yeah, that that you was. Don't, my... You don't get a name, or he never calls her dad. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I thought as well. That in uh, the Swedish one, um, yeah, he, he doesn't have a daughter. That's one of the things that I found out. It's Lisbeth that gives him the the clues about the Har- Harriet's diary and it being yeah. the, the Leviticus quotes in the back. It's Lisbeth that sends the email. Yeah. Because uh, in that Swedish one, she's motivated slightly different as well. She She's working on that whole case the whole time. So, so in the background for ages, she's working in the case as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, because she's asked to investigate Blomqvist, isn't she? And then, he, then she yeah. can't stop because Frodo says, oh, you can stop now, we've hired him. And she's like, well, I've already started now. I'm going to carry on looking yeah. into him. Has already hacked his laptop. Yeah, and then she's she, like, "Oh, that thing you can't work out. Here it is. Just drops it into his into his inbox because he's already looking at it. She's already yeah. looking at the, the Bible quotes, which I thought which I thought was boss for the film because I think his his daughter Blomkvist's daughter is the most pointless character. She she he spends Christmas with her. Yeah, nothing really. Ha- nothing really. You know, there's no there's nothing there's no seeds sown there or anything for for later plot developments apart from she comes to visit him on the way to Bible camp. Yeah, and goes, oh. You've got Bible verses on your desk, and then she, disappears for the rest of the book. She's a Harriet parallel, isn't she? Harriet was sort of into religion, although not really any like anymore. She was into it for a little bit, uh, and then I all don't the think shit she was. I think she was family. Just, she had a Bible to look at the uh, the references to. Anyway, we're, we're we're jumping way ahead. Yeah, um, in in terms of his his daughter, um, yeah, I do think she's a Har- Harriet parallel and I think it's quite nice that she's in the David Finch one because I, I liked there's a particular line near the end of the book that I really liked I, it was horrible but I really liked it where at the very very end uh Mikhail is spending Christmas again with his daughter and his ex, ex-wife mm-hmm. and he, he says oh I haven't it, like in his internal monologue oh I've not seen her since she came to visit me in Hedderstead I'm a bad father He's like, yeah, you know what, mate, you are. Like, you're really yeah. self-involved. Uh, you shouldn't have had a daughter, really. <laughs> he's really... a woman and he hates her. He does, because it's all about men who hate women. But yeah, he's really yeah. self-involved. But he's, he's he knows that. Uh, and I, I can't remember, but I'm sure it's tackled at some point in the next two books. I'm His sure daughter. he becomes a... Yeah, I'm sure he becomes a bit of a better dad to her. I See, that was going to mention this because I feel like there's certain characters in this that kind of were built up to be, they had certain depth and then just almost stopped existing in the narrative. One of them being Armansky. Yeah. And as, like you've, you learn a lot about him, like his heritage and how he got started in business and his feelings for, for Elizabeth and how yeah. he, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly he just disappears, falls off the map, just shows up to be jealous every now and then a bit of. Of, the, of Blomqvist, yeah, and I was, and I was like, oh, what a shit character, and I was like, you know what? I forget this is part of a trilogy. He might have a bigger part to play in two and three, and I just get the feeling that you're going to say that he is at some point because this is the problem. You've 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 created a fan now. I'm a fan of this <laughs> of this universe. I'm and I sorry that next... I've created a fan, <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it but it it'll lead me to me it'll lead to me criticizing this book. Go, oh, you know, Armansky shit. What's the point of him being in there? And you know, what's the point of him having a daughter? And then you going, oh, because... And I'm like... <laughs> so, it creates a bit of a... 
awkward rift. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in what we can and can't. I can't talk remember. About. I'm I'm going to read book two and three again because uh, I'm really into this. Go with the dragon tattoo now. Like I've read it. I've remembered how much I love watch, it. Are you going to watch two and three's films again as well? Potentially. Uh, it's not high up on my list uh, to watch the the Swedish films, but I definitely want to read the books. Um, I'm pretty sure they've made, they, pops they up made all of the films in the Swedish language. Yeah, and they all. I think production was all together. I think they they filmed yeah, all they three all at once, year. and they all came out in two thousand and. I was hoping you didn't know that. You know, I was hoping. I was hoping I've done my homework that, too. You? I've opened Wikipedia uh, too. I know, but it's. Uh, I wanted you to go well because I know that there weren't any Hollywood ones. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but you know, the Swedish language ones, and you were like, there aren't any. I was go, actually, Pete. Actually, I think you'll find that uh, Cracks Knuckles puts on hat. <laughs> actually, Pete, I think you'll find. Going back slightly, by the way, to when yeah. uh, um, Lisbeth gets hired to look into Blomqvist, there is a, a certain... She comes into the meeting, and do you remember Armansky saying, oh, she's quite, she's quite unorthodox, don't judge her, she's my best researcher. Yeah. All this kind of, you know, kind of half compliments. She comes into the room... On page 52. Do you remember the description of what she's wearing? Uh, isn't it like a... Is it like Doc Martens, a mini skirt, and like a leather jacket or something? Oh, you mean it wasn't a... This t-shirt? Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> is that, <what>, is that <laughs> the purchase that you told me about? Yeah! That you didn't actually tell me about? I'm also an alien. That's amazing. I know. I, 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 right, for anyone, everyone who can't see, it's an it, it's the it's the T-shirt from page fifty-two, and it describes. Yeah, I've got it open here. Uh, Salander was dressed for the day in a black T-shirt with a picture on it of ET with fangs and the words "I am also an alien." That's amazing, and you you you're currently wearing it. <laughs> I'm currently wearing that T-shirt. That's brilliant. I was hoping we'd be in the same room at this point because it's backwards, obviously, on the on the on the video call. It, it's it's soon... fixed for me. I can. It's it's oh, it's it? fixed itself in post, yeah. Oh, before awesome. it's come to me, the internet has fixed um, it. But yeah, I, I read as soon as I read that, I was like, "That sounds like the best T-shirt I've ever heard of in my life." <laughs> so I went online and searched whether or not it was an official thing, and it wasn't. But then someone had made one on Redbubble. Got a so little Redbubble. I used to get all my graphic T-shirts from Redbubble. I'm going to go on it again. It's, there was loads it's, of stuff it's on It's really there. good. But it's really comfy, and it's just, look look at those fangs. They're so kind of, like, shitty, but they're really cool at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, uh, this segment that was, was brought to you by Redbubble. Get all your graphic like, t-shirts at Redbubble. Type in redbubble.com forward slash tell me again to get 10% off your next Redbubble order. This is false advertising. <laughs> that isn't true. No but one if Redbubble want to give us that power, you can. Then we can. We'll tag them in the in the post and see if they'll uh, see if they'll hook us up. <laughs> Although they already take a, a lot of money off the actual artists, so do they? Well, yeah, they take a big percentage because they print everything. Yeah. I think the artists just uh, anyway. Anyway, let's not go into the <laughs> ethics of, of Redbubble. Ten percent off. Yeah, I, I was I was I was fifty two pages in, and I was like, I need merch to do with this story because that's the best t shirt ever. <laughs> Ordered it. Threw it on when it came. Actually, this is the first time I've worn it today. I didn't want to. I didn't want to put it on before. Uh, before today. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, that was my big reveal. So yeah, so then that all happens, and then uh, the journey to Hedestad, which is a th- 
Tell me if I'm wrong, but in the book, only an hour north of Stockholm. It was three or four. It was four on the in train. the David Fincher film, which just surprised me because I remember it only being an hour. Because he kind of, towards the end of it, more. he nips back and forth to Stockholm quite a lot. Yeah, I think it, I thought it was like three or four hours on the train uh, in, in the was book. It? Uh, it's supposed to be quite up, quite far north in Sweden because that's where Stieg Larsson's well, was raised for quite a long time, really north in Sweden. It makes more sense because an, an hour north wouldn't be so different in weather or climate. No, like if you imagine what an hour north for us is, that's like Blackpool. It's not yeah. particularly far, is it it's really? I mean, I know, I know Sweden's reason. a bit more north facing than us, but... Yeah, it's not as snowy. Yeah, I think it's close to, to, to three hours, quite quite far away. It's a fictional place, but I think everywhere else that they mention, like all the little towns he visits on his road trip, I think they're... Um, oh, they, I, did, I didn't I think, know that. I was wondering that, but I wasn't I sure. Ju- I just know that Hadestad and the island of Hedeby are... Fictitious. Well, I mean, the, the journey into uh, into Hedestad is pretty universal in all four versions. It's just a a, a big, far away establishing shot of a of a tr- of a train approaching this very snowy town. And I will say, the shot in the Swedish language version of it of him arriving at Hedestad station was like a lift from my brain. Was it? I saw it. I saw it, and I felt like the Leonardo um, DiCaprio meme of him on the couch with the beer, like. <laughs> I was like, how have they done that? It was really weird. I was like, oh my god, there's Dirch Road picking them up and it was all in the same place. It was it was it was really trippy. Get out of my brain. It was really cool. <laughs> uh, the the thing that was off was um the the manor house that Henrik Vanker lives in. In my head, it was more of a kind of charming, quirky, like big farmhouse kind of thing. Like still very decadent and big and been in the family for years, but it wasn't the big like townhouse mansion yeah. that it was in the David Fincher film. In in my head as well, it was it was different. It was kind of like a big estate, which, and like Mikhail's house, or yeah, let's call it a house, was really close by. And all the houses were really like closely packed together in my head. I had it like quite a, a densely populated little part of the island where all the Vangas lived. In, uh, oh, really? Yeah, it's just how how it was in, in my head in the Swedish See, that, version. That's it's... what frustrates me um, about books is that like we could, like a hundred people could read the same book, and you could talk about the narrative and things like that. But then you would you say, oh, do you remember in the you know where Longfist Cabin was, and then just over the bridge you've got the church, and they go, no, wait, no, over the bridge you've got Suzanne's Bridge Cafe, and then Henrik's house is down there, and then you're like, no, Henrik's house is down there. Because in the cabin, which is all stone inside, I know the cabin's wood inside. It's that there's, there's too many, and there's no way of show. There's no way of showing unless you're like a king of like animation or set design and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Not every, not everyone could do that. I know, I know. Like it, the, the head had to be in my head. I'll never be able to fully articulate what it's like. Like it was yeah. like a, a cramped, quaint little place I had. Now in, in the Swedish version, it wasn't like that. Everything was really far away. Mikhail's house was really yeah. far away. Uh, I, I thought that the, the Hedeby in David Finch's film was closer to my Hedeby. Um, your your Hedeby head. Yeah, my Hedeby head cannon. Uh, I thought the the bridge was almost exactly what I was imagining, like a smaller. No. In the Swedish one, it's really bridge, long, and in my head, it was a small. The bridge one. is a big talk, yeah, exactly. That's a, that was. I've got that all over my notes. The it's bridge, just the bridge it does over not and over know again. What size it wants to be. Did you think we were doing a yeah, comparison it, on the two versions of 
the bridge <laughs> instead. The bridge. <laughs> are we not? Are we not stopping now? Yeah, in the novel, it was like a an okay bridge, maybe 200 yeah. meters long. And then in the Swedish film, it's this, you know, Goliath-sized <laughs> bridge. It's basically... Which, which crosses a, like an yeah. ocean to get to to um, get you to Northern Ireland from Hedeby Island, and then in the graphic novel it's this tiny yeah. little. That was a, yeah. So the graphic novel I thought bridge. also was quite good in terms of showing me what my head Hedeby head cannon was. That had a really little bridge as well. <laughs> so Hedeby head cannon. Hedeby head cannon. Say five times fast. No, the the bridge was a uh, very inconsistent in in all in all form. I mean, when it's such a big part of the mystery as well, it's even said in the book to be a locked room mystery. Yeah. Like it would make more sense if the bridge was huge. Yeah, but the the, but the point is say... that anyone who was swimming across, if it's a smaller bridge and Hedeby and Hedestad are closer to one another, anyone that's swimming across would get seen, which is exactly what Henrik says to Mikhail because Mikhail's like, do you not think she could have just swam? Well, not across? necessarily because they also say that all attention was on. The, the the crashed oil yeah. truck that was blocking the bridge. So that was a little bit of a problem that I had with it. And what, what keeps coming into my head when these kind of... They're not exactly plot holes. They're, they're plot implausibilities because <laughs> they're, pl- they're all plausible. But it, they're all too convenient to all happen at the same time. And the thing that I'm thinking is is that uh, Steve Larson handed in the transcripts for these uh, these three books. And I found out today he was going to write 10, mm. but only gave in the, scrap, the transcripts for three. Uh, and you don't know what he would have changed in the edit if he would have changed anything at all. And on the other side of that, you don't know if the publishers had gone, oh, we don't want to change too much because we're changing a dead man's yeah. work and we don't know what he wanted with this and that. So it's while it's a very good and very plausible, well, it's, it's in some universe plausible story. There are a few niggles like the size of the bridge. Why couldn't they just swim across if they've said everyone's looking think, at is the it, uh, Is it cold as well? Is it is it winter that she disappears in? It is. It is. It's just before Christmas because, um, because that's or is, is it? it? Hang on. Let's see if I can find something quickly. No, I'm sure it's spring because oh, they're, yeah, no. they're having the, I think uh, right. the family I actually think party. It is spring. Uh, but spring in Sweden still isn't in northern Sweden isn't necessarily going to be warm. I think that the point is that anyone that was swimming would be seen, and anyone that also was swimming would uh, be dead. Yeah, but if you're trying to escape from a rapey father and brother, then you're going to risk the cold water of the head of each channel. But they'd have found her. They'd have seen her crossing. Is the is the point? They'd have seen her swimming, and they'd have. Found her body if but she died. But it's swimming. Both in it's it's it, it's Schrodinger's plausibility. You see what I'm saying? Like it's plausible, but it's also kind of like not impossible. Yeah, yeah it was kind of like I think the the, yeah. the mystery of Harriet it's set up quite well, where it's like all of these things definitely happened, and all of these other things definitely can't have happened. And he then goes on to explain why these certain things can't have happened, and then it's like, yeah, solve the mystery, <laughs> which. Yeah, which to be fair was very impressive. When I was reading the book, I was like, he was saying things, and I was like, yeah, but what about? And he go because, like, yeah. without me even asking the question, they would say stuff that, like, uh, you know, how do you know that they didn't fall into the water in my head? And they were like, oh, because the currents aren't that strong. You'd have to go. I think he, I think in the graphic novel, it even gives a distance. It says you'd have to go 
you know, this far out to actually oh, keep the currents of yeah, the island to get they get, to sea. You get the, the currents push you back to shore. He was like, could you not have, sto- could yeah. you not have stolen a boat? And he's like, well, there are 17 boats on the island of Hedderby on the, or however many. Uh, there was this <laughs> boat, there was this boat, there was eight of this boat. <laughs> all, and then they were all... Yeah, they were, they were all accounted for, yeah. believe me, I've checked. Uh, and they said they combed the island for like, you know, every millimetre for it to, where, the, where the body could be buried. Yeah, anywhere she could have buried or fallen. One thing that was said very early on, when, like which by the, we're at this point, by the way, I mean, he's, at, he's in Hedderstad, he's gone to the, uh, to Henrik Vanger's manor, which we've arrived yeah. at now. And he's in the office with Van, with Vanger and he's telling him that, um, Van, you know, my, my niece, basically my daughter. Yeah. Has gone missing. You need to find her, and then and then gone on to tell every, the readers about everything that was there. And then he starts saying, and then Blomkvist keeps picking holes in. And he goes, "Well, what about this?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, no, he couldn't because blah blah blah." And he patches everything up until eventually he goes, hmm. <laughs> "I have no more questions." And he's just as stumped as everyone else. Then he offers him this obscene package um, of, of of payment to even try to solve the mystery. Yeah. But then he, yeah, and he's even like, look, you might not solve it, no problem. But if you do, here's this extra. Yeah, he was like, he says, I expect you not to solve it, but I need someone to try apart from me. Yeah, to look at it with this different. Which I had a big problem with at first that he's hired an investigative journalist. But when you think about it, they are just, you know, it's in the name of the investigators. It's Mikhail's job to think critically about everything. And so that's why he's brought him along, as well as the fact that he kind of already met him and as well as the fact that yeah. Henrik believes he can give Mikhail uh, evidence on Wenistrom, which he doesn't in the end. He gives him some shitty rubbish well, evidence. Well, he does. But it's like once he did a poo that didn't flush. I was like, I can't <laughs> nail him with this. The statutes of so limitations like really... has ran out on poos that can't flush. <laughs> I can't work with this. <laughs> I see you have read part two of the yeah, graphic novel then. I stole into your house <laughs> in the early hours. And mm. then replaced it. No, but did they leave out um, the fact that he stayed at Hedderstad as a child at all in a David Fincher film? Do they? And I think, yeah, and I think that takes out the whole, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the reason that Henrik would follow Mikol's yeah. career because he, he knew him as a little boy and then he can just say, oh, I know this guy who's trying to take down Wenderstrom. You know, he stayed here yeah. years ago. Whereas so- suddenly he's just a a kind of very distant... Um, admirer, yeah. Fan. Yeah, admirer even, yeah, thank you. Of, of Millennium, which is like a relatively small magazine. So why would you know about Millennium? Because of the news, I guess. I answered my own question. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm glad I cleared that up for you. <laughs> Well, I don't think Millennium is necessarily that small. I think in the world of, um, in the world of uh, Millennium trilogy, I think it in Sweden. I think it's like, I think people like people know about it. It's probably like the the Eye, you know, that little independent newspaper. Things a yeah, bit like it's, that, maybe. It, it's it if it, it focuses on like financial affairs. I know. So I, I was reading through this and I was like, "Is that what people gave a shit about in 2002? Because that's when the book set 2002. Was that is that what people gave a shit about in 2002? <laughs> financial journalists and that. But then I was like, actually, yeah. you know what? 
there was a big financial crash about six years later. later. So maybe if people, yeah. <laughs> maybe people did give a shit about uh, and it, financial. And also it's Steve Larson writing what he knows yeah. too, because he's a journalist and he's writing what would excite him or, you know, what, what the kind of story he would like to get. At the end of the day, that's not that important. The story that he's trying to chase, it's just, they're just making it clear what it is so that everyone knows mm. what's important um, to Blomfist. Yeah, like what is what is day-to-day is. Because I, f- I feel like you, you end up knowing quite a lot about the characters, even stuff that really don't doesn't matter um, to, to the story. Yeah. I mean, a few times, I, I kept expecting Benestrom to show up and be like, stop looking <laughs> into me. But they never, they never actually no, come face-to-face. Benestrom's dis- never in it, dis- isn't he? He's mentioned. Uh, no. but he's... he's on TV a couple yeah. of times. In the films, yeah, but they never. And in, uh, is it the David Fincher one that uh, Elizabeth steals out of his apartment really, really quickly? His apartment building because he shows up or something. Is that the David Fincher one, or is that the Swedish one? She she goes into his apartment and puts the cuff on his on his internet connection. Yeah, yeah. In all of them, but I, but I think the David Fincher one is the only one where yeah you you see him in any vicinity to a main yeah. character. But that was there. That was a strange choice of shot because there's no reason to have him in the shot. Well, I'll go, I guess, in a film to drive home the fact that... Yeah, it's like, oh, she should have got caught. Oh, she made it. Phew. Go get your, adren- get your uh, adrenaline going <gasps> a little bit for her. Salander sounds like slander. It does. You think that's the reason? I don't know. It probably doesn't sound like it in Swedish. Well, we don't know. Because I didn't notice, actually, when I was um, listening to the Swedish language version... A lot of uh, kind of English words drop in. Yeah, yeah. There was, there, there was, I, I there was one that. part where someone was asking someone else if they are okay, and the subtitle said, "Are you okay?" But what was being said on screen was, "You are okay." <laughs> there, there was a really funny bit that I thought uh, near the end. So Mikhail's on the train back. I assume he's on the way back into Stockholm, and he's calling Lisbeth. Um, and the subtitles they flash up saying, uh, please call me back or something like that. And Mikhail says, ring! Oh, it was really funny. <laughs> like, ring, translators, please call me back. Oh, I didn't... <laughs> ring! I didn't, I, I didn't hear that. Didn't you? It made me giggle <laughs> a little bit. Ring! Right, should we, should we, should we catch up with... Uh... With Elizabeth, see what she's doing. Yeah, let's see what she's up to these days. I, I don't think I want to because. Yeah, no. This this is this is the the bad bit, isn't it? Yeah. This is the, this is the dark thing. This is the really dark bit. Like it's it's tricky to talk about, isn't it? Really, because we've been quite jovial in every podcast, but this is. It's quite dark, you know, isn't it? I mean, it's very. And we, you're we, the one who wanted us to read and and talk about this in an in a lightly entertaining fashion. Well, we, we can, in fairness. It or agree that with the the exception of very few details, like the tattoo that Lisbeth tattoos on on Berman, Berman, however you pronounce mm-hmm. it, yeah, the is, wording changes is slightly different. Yeah, in uh, David Finch's film, on David Finch's film, it just says "I am a rapist pig" on his chest, whereas mm-hmm. in the book and in Swedish version, it's what is it's it? Like I'm, a, I'm a rapist pig and a I can't remember what what the whole thing she tattoos. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's like there's like three him. sentences, isn't there? Yeah, um, but it's but yeah, it's, she is she is a, a ward of the state. 
Yeah, and her um, guardian, who pa- is like Palmgren. a father figure. Palmgren. Palmgren who Paul I want to say, actually, is treated differently in every version of this that I read and yeah, saw. He is. He, ha- he has a completely different situation. In, um, so it's, in the in novel... the Swedish version... Go on, sorry. In the novel, he's dead. We never even... No, he's not he's dead. Up. He's just not there. He doesn't show he up. He's dead, isn't he? No, he's not. He's not is dead. He he's had, he's had a sh- the, the reason why he's not a guardian anymore is because before the events of the book, yeah. he had a stroke. Does he not die of the stroke? No. I was sure he was dead. No, he's not dead, but he's just retired. He can't be a guardian anymore. Okay. Um, so maybe three different ways then, because that's how <laughs> it is in the David Fincher film as well. Yes. But that happens during the film. It does. She sees the sh- she she witnesses him. I mean, well, she doesn't witness, but she finds him, which I don't think is how it works in the in the book. I'm not sure who finds him in the book, yeah. but it happens before the events of the book. Uh, in the graphic novel, he is uh, still alive and fine. Never has a stroke. She yes. kind of cl- climbs in his window to speak to him. Uh, they just kind of shoot the shit for a bit. But in that, that opens up a plot hole because then. He's one of the few people that she does trust. He's one of the few people who doesn't hate women. Yeah. Uh, and why doesn't she go to him when when um, Bjerman rapes her? Although she likes to handle everything herself, doesn't she, as well, at the same time? She, she does. She, she She's handled stuff herself all her life, and she's been put in a, in a position by the state that she can't really come out and say that he's raped mm-hmm. her because... They won't believe her. But they won't believe her. Because of basically. her history and what she's done in the past. Though. Yeah, the, how, how she's behaved in the past. Um, and in the Swedish version, there's, a, there's another version of him, isn't there? Uh, in this, yeah. Um, actually, I don't think he's even in it, is he? Does He's not in it. I don't think he's in it at all. I think she's, it just opens with her being assigned a new guardian. Yeah, it says something, doesn't it, that he, he's mentioned, is it a woman? Or something mentions him saying, "Oh, he can't be your guardian anymore. He's had a stroke. You've got this new one." In David Fincher's one, he takes the role of Elizabeth's mum. Elizabeth's mum isn't in the David Fincher one, and it's her. It's Palm. Yeah, not at all. That yeah. she that she visits later on instead of uh, instead of her, her mother. Uh, but he's he's utilised in in different ways. I I noticed when I was doing my skim of the comic book, one of the first things that I wrote about it. Was that he's he, he's vocal in it, and he she, she goes to visit him before a meeting with Berman, Berman, mm-hmm. and he basically Palmgren basically tells her, "Don't start any fights because you'll end up back in the ward." And then the next scene is her. Yeah, no, I think she goes she goes to see him once, and yeah, and then the second time is when he uh, sexually abuses her. Did we say? Yeah. I'm sure anyone listening to this knows what happens in the story, but yeah. Uh, but that she, she's she is she's spurred that in the comic. So that first to... that first one doesn't happen in the comic. The one in his office. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Sort of um, it cuts away, doesn't it? I think as horrible as it is, I don't think I th- it happens at all. I think only I say only. I think the one in the apartment is the abuse that happens. Yeah, my my I, take was that uh that they're in his office and they say he's saying to her that they they should be friends uh and that they need to trust each other and she needs to be nice to him and he, he puts his hand on her breast and then he moves his hand down and then it cuts away to something else. 
think it's, it's, it's I guess it could Mikhail be, fucking someone because that's what yeah. he does quite a lot. He's um, just a horrible human being. <laughs> they must have found so. They must have found it so difficult to find actors who would play that part. Yeah, and I, I think Bjerman is is portrayed differently in, in all of them. the David Fincher one more so. And I think I know what you're going to say. He seems almost remorseful, doesn't he, after the apartment incident? Yeah, he's, which is he's, not to excuse him for what he does. No, but of like in, no, it's not. in no other version is he like oh. Uh, like he's he's not sheepish at all. He's just like, oh, do you want me to drive you home? I'll drive you home if you want. And he's like, he's gonna, you know, have yeah. another one over with her on the way home. There's, you you hear one of Bjerman's thoughts in the book after after he makes her give him uh, the blowjob, uh, where he's like, fucking hell, this is better than a prostitute. I'm paying her with her own money. Yeah, that made me sick. Uh, and um, then yeah, so he's he's obviously irredeemable and a very very horrible human but he's portrayed as very different types of horrible human. In the comic book, I felt that he gaslighted her. Is that the right phrase? A lot more than he does in any of the other versions. Like, when he is abusing her in his apartment, he's basically saying, oh, this is because of you. This is because you're provocative and the way you dress, which mm. which isn't said in all the other ones. And then in, in yeah. David Fincher's ones, he's, he, he tries to be a friend afterwards, so he's horribly abusive and then is quote-unquote nice to her afterwards he's he's given and i've noticed he's given a family in david fincher's one there's a there's a picture of a woman and a child on his desk really which I, I noted noted down no, i don't think it's ever mentioned i think in the book he's divorced it mentions that he's divorced when she's doing a little look into i don't think he has uh, a family because she she gives the same warning that says you know if I, i'm gonna i'm gonna take these keys and i'm gonna come check on you and if there's ever another woman in here whether or not you bring her back of her own volition then i'm gonna you know, yeah yeah you again. I, I know that that's what that's what i'm saying in the book it's mentioned that he's divorced and in david finch's film he's got a picture of a woman and a child oh, so on it his could desk. be his ex-wife so it could be his it could be yeah or or something like that so if you, if you ignore the context that's a cool little kind of easter egg it is like <laughs> that, that I was looking in. I was looking into that. I was like, "Oh, he's, he's." I've written some of this. Let me find it. Uh, I think that's all I've written actually. But yeah, he's. But uh, also, Will you please in, put a light on, by the way, because at the moment you're just like half a face in the dark. I wish I could. Uh, the the light in this room doesn't work. Yeah, you can't move your phone. Then you'll be like, like, "Hello, everyone." Oh, there we go. I'll turn my brightness up. And I'll there we go. Burn my, burn my corneas, but Worth you can it. see me. Worth it for the listeners. It's fine. Um, yeah, we checked back in with uh, Bjerman in um, David Fincher's version. She. I was wondering this. She Did that it. happen in the book? No. We, uh, after, it happens in the graphic novel as well. Does it? After yeah. he abuses her, I don't think we ever see him again. He's mentioned a couple of times. Uh, I think she might even mention that he's behaving and he's sent in the reports that she's made him send, send in. Because when um, I watched the David Fincher one today and that elevator scene happens where she's like, stop looking at tattoo removal sites. And it rang yeah. the bell and I was like, because I've read them all in such quick succession, I was like, did that happen? That's, exa- that's that exactly happen what in? I've got as well. That's exactly the feeling that I've got. Where it's like, what came from what? And at this point, the, the novel, the actual source material, is probably the thing, well, it's the thing that I consumed furthest to go. <laughs> So yeah. my memory of it is... It's like Chinese whispers, and it's, it's yeah. changing slightly, and you don't and know I, which... I can't remember the original thing. message, yeah. Um, but I don't think we check back in with Berman again. I think he abuses her. She gets her revenge on him. 
and we never see him again. We hear from him I, again. I thought, I thought we were going to because there's a point where Stieg Larsson does this weird thing, which I think J.K. Rowling does as well sometimes in in chapters and sometimes in paragraphs as well. So when you're reading the book, usually a certain chapter is from a certain character's point of view, or okay. it's kind of above everyone, so you can kind of hear everything the same. And then sometimes in the same chapter, the paragraph will change or there'll be like a little asterisk and it'll change point of view. But Stieg Larsson, and I think J.K. Rowling does it as well, is that within even the same paragraph, you'll say like, uh, okay, Salander did this and then she felt sad, for example. And then... Never write a novel. (laughs) That's not gripping in the slightest. Yes, well, obviously not. But then, the way, but then that establishes to me that okay, we're we're seeing things from Salander's point of view, and we're we're feeling what she's feeling. She can observe other things, but she can't feel what they're feeling. So what I say, Salander looked at such and such, and she felt sad. Uh, and then uh, Bierman looked at something, and they're like, okay, we're seeing through Salander's eyes, and she's looking yeah. at Bierman, and the Bierman will go. Bierman was was furious. It wasn't Ber- Bierman looked furious. He looked yeah. furious. And he does it at one point where it's obviously from the it's when she's showing um, him the the rape tape. Yeah, for want of a less rhymier term, that's far word. too jovial. I wasn't jovial; it's just what it is. And it goes suddenly goes into hit into his head, and he goes, "I have to get that tape." Yeah, and it threw me. I'm gonna like, fucking kill her. I have to get that tape. It's shit like that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I was like, "Whose point of view are we seeing this from?" Now, like, I, was, I thought I was with Lisbeth, and and mm. now now I'm hearing his point of view. It just it, yeah. it was cool, but it threw me a bit. Yeah, it it jumps in. Yeah, I, I get you. It jump it jumps in. It jumps into the heads of the people that you need to get into the heads of. That makes sense. But so, randomly. So you you're with Lisbeth. So you're with Lisbeth, and at that particular time, you need to know what Lisbeth is thinking, and then at the same time, you also need to know what Bjorn's thinking. So it kind of jumps between. Uh, but I think Both. at that point, I think at that point in the book, you should be able to know and trust Lisbeth enough to still stay with her and her look at Bjerman and go, Bjerman looked furious. You shouldn't have to jump to Bjerman and say, Bjerman was furious. But the, the I think there's there's a difference between... I think at that point, it, you, you need to know how evil Bjerman is. You need to know what's going through his head. You can't, you can't have it I'm sort not saying of, it was the wrong Salander way to looked do it. At him it just, and he it, looked like he wanted the videotape. He looked like he wanted to kill her. You, you could maybe have, oh, he looked like he wanted to kill her, but you couldn't have the whole, he looked like he wanted to steal the videotape from her. Um, but <laughs> but if you get into his head... of the shackles and he's stroking his chin mm-hmm. like that. But if you get into I his head, get tape. then you hear him during all of this. And he's, you know, he's tied up and he's, he's abused back. Thank fuck. Uh, yeah. you, you need to hear what he's thinking at how actually evil he is he's not like oh shit what have I done oh this is this is my comeuppance for my evil deeds it's I need to get a hold of that yeah I need I need, I need to ha, ha, whatever it takes I need to get a hold of that but then Elizabeth makes the point of, if you kill me anything happens to me I'll put it on the internet he's, he's, almost, he's almost thinking uh, I have to get through this punishment that I don't deserve so that I can get that evidence and stop anything else happening Exactly, just, and you, you, wouldn't, so... you wouldn't get that if you didn't get his perspective at that yeah. particular time. That's what I said, I wasn't saying it was a bad thing, yeah. it just confused me for a second, and it, it, oh, it, didn't it, kind it of, like, Who's it put this? me off balance. <laughs> Solander already I... has the video. 
Yeah, and she she says, doesn't she? Like if you know, if if you if you tell anyone, if I die, and even if it looks like an accident, gonna end up online anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we, we we've we've done that macabre catch up now. Yes, we're up, we're up the speed. Um, I want to say at this point, the Swedish version of getting to Heatherstad, it is at an uncomfortably blistering pace. I felt. What do you mean? Explain yourself. Explain I felt, yourself. I felt like from getting, even though it was roughly the same kind of time in like of real time of me watching it. Yeah. The the, the uh, getting from the court case to Hedeby Island. When I was watching the Swedish film, they were talking to each other at like a million miles an hour, and they're like, "Oh, this happened. This happened." And they to go. Like, oh, and it just felt like they were, like, and then suddenly they were there. And then the Hollywood version was just so much more. Not necessarily better, but it was much more slick and okay. And now you can fire me, and then I'm <laughs> gonna go, yeah. And then, but but in that same amount of time, it managed to acknowledge so much more because it also acknowledged the kind of intense romantic friendship between Blomqvist and, and Erica. Yeah, yeah. Burger. Berger, if it even is Berger, I don't think he's even referenced by name in the Swedish version, shows up and complains that he's leaving, and then you never see her again for the rest of the film. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think and, that is that is Berger. And their relationship, their relationship is so good. It is, and and it's, what, it's pivotal uh, as well yeah. to, to the story, really, and it's it's cut out of that Swedish version. I think, um, I'm sort of showing my hand a little bit, but I, the, the American one contains so much more from the book. Even little things... Like the whole uh, Vanga um, investing in Millennium, like loads of just little sh- little things that happened in yeah, the book. Yeah, because that doesn't happen in the Swedish one because no. Erica isn't in it. Yeah, loads of things that happen in the book just like appear as little nuggets in the film. Mm-hmm. And I think it was it was it was great. The Swedish one is good, and I like I, again jumping forward a little bit. I like the little road trip that him and Salander 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 have in that one. <laughs> Which isn't which isn't. Are you okay? In. Are you stuck? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm yeah. Do you need I'm me to lift the needle? Skipping record, yeah. Um, the road trip that they have when they're they're getting to all the murders. That's quite a cool bit because in the book and in David Fincher's one, they're, they're sitting in Nicar's living room, finding about all the the religious murders. But in the Swedish version, he goes on a cool little road trip. Yeah, they go. To, they go. To, the only, well, the only one I remember is they go to the one of the. Um... The, the sight of the the cow and the and the woman both being killed because of that Bible verse about if a woman should approach a beast or lay with a beast then yeah kill them both and that's the only one I remember, I remember them going to and that's that was the second one that I consumed because I read the book and then watched the Swedish yeah. film and I was like oh it's cool they're actually going to the site of what they were just looking at yeah but then in the in the in the Daniel Craig one they actually went to a lot of them. Do they? Have I you mixed so. it up? In the Swedish one, they do a little road trip. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up. Salander goes to the police and just asks for more information, doesn't she? See, they're all merging into one, Pete. I know, I know, I, I, it's I get just, it. Do you know when you get? Do you know when you get a pack of of uh, of Starburst? I know they called them Opal Fruits then. That's how old they are. Showing your age. Yeah, when you get a pack of Opal Fruits. <laughs> 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 too much red wine. You know when you get a pack of Starburst and you get like four of them, yes, and you squidge them all together, four Starburst, until they just become the same colour and you can't tell them apart anymore. A strange brown, brownie whitey 
Yeah. I told I told you in the week I was remembering scenes from the Swedish film, but in comic book panels <laughs> in my head, and I couldn't remember which was which. I've fried your heads with this, haven't I? Yeah, you really have. Although I've loved it because for some reason, if I, if I wasn't doing it for the exercise of this podcast, I'd be like, why am I reading the same story four times? <laughs> but, but because we're, we're looking at it for differences, it does, when something pops up that is very different or different at all, makes me go, oh, why have they done that? Yeah. But then but then the answer just always arises. It's because of the medium that it's being portrayed. Yeah. It makes more sense this way. Yeah. Like, so so visually, they go on this road trip in the Swedish version because visually it's more exciting than sitting in a room and talking about it. But somehow yeah. David Fincher managed to, make, managed to make that interesting. Yeah. What else has David Fincher done, by the way? Because he rings a bell, his name. David Fincher. I've got his Wikipedia page up for just this occasion. You definitely need his IMDb page. Well, I can just go to his filmography. He's done um, Fight Club, Seven, Zodiac. Uh, what else has he done? He's done, tell you what, instead of uh, Alien 3, Seven, The Game. Sorry, you just Alien lost 3? it. Alien 3? Yeah. Uh, the rest Fight of that Club. is all kind of like crime adjacent, isn't it? Yeah. Where was his first? You've got a sci- like a sci-fi horror. Panic Room, Zodiac, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Panic Network. Panic Room is a good film. Benjamin Button's a very good film. It is. Uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, which is a good film. Good book as well. Uh, and Mank. He's also selected television work was House of Cards, uh, the Netflix one. Mind Hunter, again, Netflix. Death, Love, Death and Robots, which was on Netflix as well, wasn't it? That was good. Um, I've not watched that. Is it worth it? It's very so good, it's, yeah. It's like an done... anthology series, a bit like Black Mirror. They're just all random stories, okay. but different animation styles, different directing styles. They're all completely unrelated, but they're awesome. That's very cool. Uh, David, yeah, David Finch directed two episodes of House of Cards, directed seven episodes of Mindhunter, was the executive producer on Love, Death and Robots, as well as the other two. Um. What else has he done? Oh, he was an assistant cameraman on Return of the Jedi. Fun fact. No way. Did matte photography on Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones. Pretty sweet. And yet he's gone on a kind of semi-under-the-radar film of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Which is so fucking cool. Can we, can we take a minute to talk about how like on edge you were watching the whole thing with that fucking soundtrack? And yeah, how just that, on edge I was, and how I did tense make a note I was. Of that. And do you know? Do you know who did the score? Um, I do. It's Trent Reznor. It's um, yeah. Nine Nails. Which, which I was watching the intro and like the the the, the opening credits with that kind of like black oily. The um, opening credit was so fucking cool. I with, know. With the um, the uh, what song is it? I've got it written down. With um, I know oh, what it was. It's it was uh, the immigrant song, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with it's a, it's, a co- it's cover of it producing it, and, but it's Trent Reznor and someone I can't remember who it was, but she's obviously doing the vocals on it. And it was so, but, it was such the a thing is, cool intro. But the thing is, the score for the David Fincher film is is so minimal. Most of mm-hmm. the time, there's no music. It's like saw so, like musical source, isn't it? It's just, it makes yeah, you feel so tense. No, most of no, I, no, most of the time it's silence. Is it? It, wow. Yeah, it's just it's just background noise. So like you know wherever they are, you can hear trees rustling and stuff. And then at the at the most tense bits, mainly the kind of the um, the Bjerman scenes, and, and the later the where, Martin ones. Yeah, uh, I've got that kind of discordant ambient 
uh, you know, pads and synths yeah. and really, really kind of gritty. And it was so good. Yeah. And it had, it had, it, it reflected everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. The the, the but, atmosphere for that one was was so tense. I was on edge. Yeah. But most of the time, there was no music. And the at uh, all. the the opening credits scene uh, was amazing. Uh, it reminded me very, very, very much of a James Bond film. <laughs> Just yes, every th- James Bond film. It was a James, it was a James well. Bond opening credits, which I thought that as well. Like Daniel Craig was James Bond at the time. He still and is. The thing- and then, and then we're, we're right. I reckon the reason that we are kind of jumping all over the place now is because you know that they've arrived at Hedeby. Yeah. I think, other than um, Salander reaching out and saying, "Here were the Bible verses," ahead of time, changed the pace a little bit. Yeah. I think everything from there to the end all happens the same, apart from the odd plot point. So we're jumping around for stuff to. Talk about. I think the I think the only thing that's missing from the other three that isn't in the novel for some reason I really liked the image of Susanna's Bridge Cafe. Yeah, that he go he goes to this cafe. To Just work, this cute little cafe that in, closes yeah. at like three o'clock because it makes enough money from the church trade, and he does all of his work in there. Then he goes and works in his cabin. Yeah, I like just... as well. There was there's a bit in the I, th- I think it's it's very briefly in the David Fincher one, but the newspaper headlines different. Where uh, in the book he gets called up by a local journalist who mm-hmm. is like, "What are you doing, the young here? guy?" Yeah, like, "Oh, what, what are you doing here?" And then the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the next day, the next day, it's like, and <laughs> an article gets put in, and it's like slamming him, like like yeah. slander journalist in town or something. And uh, it's because it's this whole vanga politics that's going around, like that is missing from the other things. From the other adaptations, largely the whole inner <laughs> I wish, I wish, politics. You're I wish not that listening was in the, to anything I wish, I'm saying. I wish that was in the film. I was, I was. I wish that. I wish that that was in the film, and I wish that you were the journalist. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are you doing? Are you doing? I, are you? What uh, What are you doing? Here? <laughs> I heard you. I heard you libeled. Uh, um, libeled, dude. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, like, but, yeah, that, that was. Um, that's a little tidbit that. I, I really liked that the, the, there are certain vangas that are trying to get him out of town. Yeah, yeah. it's of, it's of, it's a, to misdirect you from the that nice one. In most that happens in most of the adaptations, though, just just in different ways. Yeah, you see them in like a couple of scenes, don't you? And they're they're, they're old men and old women in aristocratic clothing, surrounded like in a fireplace with wingbacks, and they're telling him off with. <laughs> red wine in their hands, telling them to fuck out of town. Like, yeah, like you. Am I Isabella Vanga? You're basically Isabella. Isabella Vanga, to me, was like a black-haired, older, stooped-backed Cruella de Vil. Yeah. Like, there were no redeeming features about her at all. She was just an arsehole. But this is obviously the point of her. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think with, with Isabella, Mar- um, not Martin, Henrik when everyone's getting introduced at the start is saying you know like she originally she wasn't a particularly horrible person but she wasn't really cut out to be a mother and she had a child and probably tried her best but was incapable of actually being a mother and then i don't think she did try her best because she obviously must have known what godfried was well she did she did know what he was doing turned a fucking blind eye exactly yeah yeah i'm not i'm not uh you're defending Isabella Vanga. You're part of the problem, Pete. You hate women. I'm joking. Pete does not hate women. I am one of the men that hates women. 
<gasps> Empirical fact. Like That's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> Is it not going to be the, uh, hi, yeah, so uh, what you doing here? <laughs> it's going to be that. Or, oh, God, he stinks. Oh, God, he stinks. <laughs> right, so now we've met all of the characters. Can we talk about some of the differences? Yes, that is the whole point the, of the, the podcast. The arrival ahead of me, I think, is we've we've to 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 intentionally arrive at a pun that I did not mean to arrive at. Uh, we've arrived. I can't remember. What I was that saying. is an absolutely fucking horrific pun. If that was the one you were going for, just like all of our characters have arrived in Hedeby, we have arrived at all of our characters arriving in Hedeby. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a version of what I was trying to say. Oh. I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember my original point. But yeah, we've arrived in Heatherby, so we've arrived at a point. Much like our characters, Dan. Yes. There we go. <laughs> That's much better. Okay, so uh, Blomqvist, I think, is fairly universal in the in the book. I think I told you I have this weird thing of when I'm reading books that I imagine pretty much everyone as an adaptation on an animated character I'm already aware of. Yeah. Blomqvist, not so much. He looked kind of half CGI. Maybe a little bit like an older version of Prince Charming from Shrek, but more professional. Okay. He had slightly longer hair, perfect skin. Dressed a lot like Daniel Craig in the film. Yeah. But other than that, the other, the other three were, were very good. I think. Yeah, I uh, my history probably should have said this an hour and fifteen minutes ago. Uh, my uh, history with this franchise is that I first got introduced to it by the Daniel Craig film. Uh, so is he Daniel Craig in all of the books? Uh, yeah. That you read? So in in my head, we we discussed this a little bit with um, with Watchmen. Like I I imagine voices in my head, uh, mm-hmm. and also uh, when I'm reading, I imagine voices in my head. Um, and, and I put I, so I put voices in, and it's Daniel Craig, but with a slight accent. I don't know if it's Swedish or not. It's probably German in my head. Well, he's just fully English, though. Isn't did, it, in the yeah, film. that was something that I was going to say. With everyone puts on a Swedish accent, other than Daniel Craig. <laughs> so Erica Berger, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's she's the wife in House of Cards. She's American. She's also, she's also the fittest version that she's meant to be in all of the visual <laughs> mediums of this. Yeah, she 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 she's American. She puts a she puts a voice on. Uh, she puts a, an accent on. But Daniel Craig is doesn't have to put an accent on, probably because he's Daniel Craig, which is fine. It's fine. Can you say about Erica Berger before we move on? Because this is something that was on my mind while I was reading the book. Yeah, go on. You know how there's Erica Berger. Yeah. And there's Berger Vanger. Yeah. If, if they got married and they did the Jack White thing, the very progressive thing where he took her last name, he'd be called Burger Burger. Burger Burger. Yeah. I like it. Okay, carry on. Yep, cool. Uh, I, I think we've we've reached... <laughs> the end of Blomqvist. Yeah, we've re- reached the end of that. Who was your favourite Blomqvist from the oh. adaptations? Was it Swedish Blomqvist? Can I not count, can I not count them on in the, in the novel? Because that's so uni- that's so not universal, the opposite universal. That's so fluid anyway. Okay, so that on who's reading it? I I'm gonna say no. You have to pick an adaptation. Which is your favourite Blomqvist adaptation? Because obviously the the novel is going to be the best one. So is it Michael Nyquist? Is it uh, Daniel Craig? Or is it? 
I'll, an- I'll answer this one, but we can't do this with all of the characters because we'll be here for 17 years. Correct. We could probably do it with Agreed. two of them. <laughs> the main okay. two. Well, okay. Well, I struggle with this question because I feel like, to me, in my head, Blomqvist was um, naturally appealing. I don't think he was particularly charism- um, charismatic. And I don't no, think it's, he uh, was... it's charismatic, Daniel. No, I, I adjusted myself. <laughs> and then I corrected myself. <laughs> My testicles moved. Mm. No, yeah, I don't think Bollocks. he's particularly charismatic in the book, but he just has some kind of appeal because he has he has Erica, he has uh, Lisbeth, and he has Cecilia. Yeah, he's, he's just fucking James book. Bond, isn't he? he? Yeah, but he doesn't have all three of those in any other adaptation. No, yeah, so in, in the Swedish one, it's just... It's just Lisbeth that he has a relationship yeah. with. In the in the David Fincher one, it is Erica and Lisbeth. In the comic book, does he sleep with Cecilia? He does. He does sleep with Cecilia. Yeah, in the he comic does. Book, he does. He? And Erica. No, yeah, yeah. And Erica and Lisbeth. Yeah, he does. He has all three actually. Yeah. He is James Bond, though, isn't he? Yeah. Really, with the women. I suppose so. So who was your favourite? Who was your favourite? But, but in the novel, I don't feel like he is. I feel like he's just a lost soul because he's he's married, but then it just loves his just loves his mate Erica so much, and I feel like they're not they're not because I think she says at one point in the book, "Oh, we would never work as a couple." I think they tried going out at yeah. one point, but they just love each other so much. But they're just not the same. They're not the right kind of people to be in a relationship with each other. They just yeah, yeah. they they work really well with. As long with as the relationship that they currently have, so the sort of so why change it? Yeah, on again, off again, um, and then with Salander, it's just a matter of she, like she's he's the first person in her life that has not tried to sexually abuse her, so that she likes him. So that becomes their relationship. It's just a matter of trust rather than love. Yeah, and I think with Lisbeth, so she she is so into. Mikhail because he doesn't he doesn't know anything about her so he doesn't have any preconceptions about her he doesn't know yeah, that she's a ward of the just state so ordinary around yeah she, he, he treats her like a normal person uh, yeah, which I don't think she's ever had no before. and she, I think she really appreciates that and she does fall in love with him in the book yeah um because yeah, pro- probably does. because he is the first person who's ever treated her like a normal human being with the exception of Palmgren who will have yeah. treated her like a normal human being but was more that of a father, grandfather, grandfather figure. figure. Yeah, yeah. Probably more uh, of a grandfather and, figure. And with Cecilia, that was just a that was a weird one. I couldn't really, really put anything on that. Yeah, I don't understand necessarily why that's in the book, other than to make me want to high five Mikhail and go nice. <laughs> the only Three thing I can women. think of is that maybe it's to kind of throw a little doubt on on a suspect. Yeah. At that point, everyone's a suspect, and then they start sleeping together. Yeah, okay, okay, they like each other. But then you think, boy, she might be trying to do that to. Yeah, she to, she to, might be the one. Lead oh. him away, and he's nubbed her, from... and she might be the one. <laughs> I like how Hen- how cool Henrik is with that as well. He's like, oh, it's okay, it's not my not my uh, my place to say who you nob. It's like, yeah, not nob who you want. You're a forty-two year old man, and she's a fifty-something-year-old woman. But to answer your question. Yeah, you've skirted that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, we 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 sidetracked. I think my favourite version from the from the visual mediums. I really liked the Swedish one until I saw Daniel Craig's, and I didn't want to be seduced by the the Hollywood machine. <laughs> but okay, as I say, right. I, think he's, I think he's I think he's too charismatic about it. 
But at the same time, the Swedish version doesn't have the same, I guess, kind of intimacy issues that um, Daniel. Craig sorry, he does have the he does have the same intimacy issues that the novel one does. Yeah. So it makes him so it makes him more relevant to the source material. But I just found myself more drawn to Daniel Craig's version. The graphic novel version was okay, but again, I read mm. I read all the dialogue in my voice. Yeah. So it was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, but, I, but yeah, I remember. So basically, Although you're telling it, me Daniel Craig. I'm going to show one. my hand now. I think the Daniel Craig version is the worst. Really? But I think he's the. But I think he's the best Miko. Okay. I, I, like obviously, probably speaking more about the the uh, the two films, but I really like the Swedish film. I had no problem with it whatsoever, with larger other than how Mikhail's portrayal and the massive bridge. Fuck me, that massive <laughs> bridge! I almost turned it off right there. <laughs> if I hadn't have paid money to watch it on Amazon, I'd have turned it off right there. But uh, yeah, no, uh, the Mikhail portrayal. You need to slow down the red wine, mate. <laughs> the, uh, Pete, Pete, what? The bridge yeah. had flammable fuel. Oh, on. my God, yeah, go on. What would have happened if they would have set it alight? Go on. No, I'm asking oh. you. Um, <laughs> what? It would have... Ignited? Burned. Burned. Yeah, and they're on a... Bridge. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? They'd have burnt bridges. Who'd have burned no, but bridges? Yeah, but, well, but they didn't burn any bridges. Do you think that's the? Do you, are we missed? Have we missed a whole metaphor there? What the? Well, I guess the we, whole the whole Vanga family was there trying to stop bridges being burned. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, uh, uh, when you brought this up, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about Harriet leaving on that same day. So. No, no, the, but the, it just came to me then. But do you not think that's important? P- potentially, but I'm gonna my, my interpretation of what you've just said was that so the bridge doesn't burn. It could have burned, but it didn't burn. Harriet fucks off, burning bridges with all the Vanga family, but she doesn't actually burn bridges because she is. She's she contacting. Goes. She's still contacting Henry. She's trying to not burn the bridges in a way that makes her feel safe because she didn't feel safe around Heatherby and Martin and Martin. So yeah, it's a good point. That that's clearly a, a a metaphor that I hadn't read into. I've only just come up with it then. Maybe but... you need to drink more red wine, <laughs> and then come up with more. You're such messages. a critic. <laughs> no, but if, yeah, if you think about it though, like all, all of the family fucking despise each yeah. other, and and that is the one day where they could have got away from each other because they were like, oh, you know what, you lost a member of our family, or a member of our family is lost, let's never speak again, We've, we're going to all fall out about this. They have every reason to always fall out with each other and to burn bridges with each other. But they all got on that bridge that day and tried so hard to, like they said, they tried to rescue the driver out of the front seat because they didn't want to use metal tools because it might cause a spark and burn the bridge. Yeah. They were dancing around the whole thing. Very true. Very true. I'm a fucking literary you critic, are. I tell you now. You are, but don't write a novel. We've been there. Don't write a novel. I won't. Uh, Criticise novels worry. as much as you like. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't really like the... Mi- the dialogue would be a problem for anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't really like the Mikhail in uh, the Swedish version. I thought he was dry. He didn't have any real charisma. I didn't understand why 
the Lisbeth in that world would want to would want to sleep with the Mikhail of that world. I didn't get it. Like it, it just yeah, and that Kate that he just seems so Sorry, dry and uncharismatic. And Mikhail is quite a charismatic guy, and Daniel Craig, I think encapsulates that really really well and it could be a slight bias on my part because that introduced me to the franchise but that's just how i feel i think daniel craig was in a no i I agree as uh, well mikhail um i think moving on to the other character that we we could do this about it would be lisbeth but i can't pick Mm -hmm. i can't choose i think both of those are amazing no, the best versions in the hollywood version i did did um and ah with this for a while but i feel like the cylinder in the Swedish language version was my favorite, but then she came across too, too headstrong and and, and upright. And I'm going to do this, and you won't care about it. And it it, it it was she was too authoritative. Okay, and it didn't make any sense for how I saw her in the book. Like in the book, she was just this very meek, very weak-looking girl who just kind of kept her head down so that she could do what she wanted to do. Yeah, I get that. Like, I believed in the book when she was going through all of her kind of trials and stuff to do with her, her guardianship. And she was like, I don't want to speak to anyone. I don't want to speak to anyone. I just am who I am. I don't want to have to explain it to anyone. And I related to that in a way. But then at a certain point, I was like, well, just just talk to someone. And then they'll see that you don't need looking after, that you're just a, a private person. But then it goes on for that long. It's like, well, maybe she does have like certain social issues and you know mental health problems and things like that well she she does uh which she does exactly but i didn't i didn't realize that she actually does until much later on in the book yeah she's she's got a lot of childhood trauma that you find out about the more books you read or the more films the more swedish language films you watch she has a lot of childhood trauma that gives her no faith in men men especially but uh, authority figures, so she feels that she doesn't have. Why? Why the fuck would she talk to these people? The last authority figures uh, beat her up, raped her mum, all all these things. The last authority figures that anyone ever gave any. That's trust shown to. in the graphic novel as well. Is it? I was I was gonna say mm. to you because um, in in the Swedish language version there is there are flashbacks. To Lisbeth, yeah, that's yeah, that's throwing, that um, throwing the the milk the milk bottle full of uh, gasoline at her dad. Yeah, my, my favorite cylinder was the one in the American one. Yeah, I I thought it was very close. I I thought Lisbeth in the American one. It's not a criticism. Uh, she's she's more trying to think of another word than normal, but I'm gonna stick with normal. I think she's more normal than the Swedish one. Well, she, she's more vocal. She's yeah. more willing to talk to people about things. Like she opens up to Mikhail at the end of David Finch's one about what happened, and she tells him, um, "I burnt my but dad." That's right at the end. Yeah, I know. But and there's, I think that's fine because she's earned his trust by then, or he's earned her trust by then. But she, but in the the book, she's still very non. What's the non-vocal with like her past and how she actually feels like the book finishes and Mikhail doesn't know that she's a ward of the state. She doesn't know that she tried to kill her dad when she was a kid. Um, no, he does. He does. He does, does know he? in the film. He goes, no, he goes I'm not to talking see about the film. And... I'm not talking about the film. I'm talking about the book. 
in the book it finishes oh, okay. and he doesn't he doesn't know any of that any of that shit which sort of helps their relationship because like we said before um he's the only person that's ever treated her like a normal person that isn't paid to treat her like a normal person but in david finch's film she tells him right at the end oh this happened to me this happened to me this happened to me and elizabeth in the book wouldn't do that at that stage yeah and it's not a criticism of david finch's film because I, I think it's amazing uh it's just a difference in their cat in her character that she's a bit more vocal about her feelings uh obviously like you said it's 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 so that you actually it's earned by that point isn't it he's yeah. earned her trust it's how, how films work she's earned he's earned her trust so he gets to learn about her uh, so I get it, and it's not a criticism. It was just a difference. But I, I thought both Elizabeths were really good, and I can't really pick between them, to be honest with you. Okay, okay now you finish criticising. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, the, no, the one in the graphic novel is very good as well, and I think I think probably the best adaptation from the source material, because she just, from what I imagine, she was always, as I said, like looking at her feet and just kind of very quiet, would only speak up or act in a strong way when something was about to imminently and strongly affect her. Yeah. And that's how it was in the graphic novel as well, and I liked that. But to do that on screen wouldn't work. Yeah. It would be, it would be, you'd be waiting for something to happen. She does have to be a little bit more forward-thinking and a bit more active in what she wants and what she wants to do and say. Yeah, she, she gets made into a slightly more of like a traditional heroine in the, yeah. in the films, which is no, no bother. The only other main ones... That I think. Well, I mean, we've we've spoke about Palmgren, we spoke about Bierman, we spoke about Harriet being remembered in various capacities. Freud's pretty universal as well. Yeah, he's just there, isn't he? Yeah, Venestrom's universal. Anna's a bitch in everything but the book. Anna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anna, <laughs> the housekeeper. And Anna, Anna is hilariously the, the house the housekeeper. Yeah, she's she's hilariously. Uh, bitchy in the graphic novel, but all because is like, "Hello, you've got a daughter. She needs guidance." Or just like re- <laughs> really kind of stuff like that. But the funniest one is where um, she criticizes Longfist's uh, daughter's um, Bibleness or Christianity is the is religion. The proper word. <laughs> religion. Um, and, he go- and he goes, and he goes, "I don't agree with it, but you know, um, I agree." I'll I'll defend to my death her right, um, to her right that to, or something. to believe in that. Yeah, something like that. But um, Anna says something like, uh, "Oh yeah, a quote by Voltaire," and goes, oh, "A Frenchman," and it's like a cl- <laughs> a close up of her going, "A Frenchman," and saying it with venom, like she hates the French. It's like, why is she a prick in this? She's like a really nice old woman in in the book, and then they've just made her unkind for some reason in the graphic novel. Oh, that's it. Uh, Krista is uh, I like him in the book he's not a big character but he's just kind of like a quirky kind of oh I'm only a graphic designer why am I a shareholder kind of thing yeah he's kind of there he's, isn't he he's fine yeah he's he's gay in the graphic novel he's gay in the book as well is he yeah oh I don't remember that um, but um, Berger calls him a gay boy isn't it in the graphic novel yeah <laughs> fucking hell is this could he get- is this so that DC could Give it to Vertigo instead. Maybe. <laughs> instead of put uh, in print It's it kind of playfully, and he, laugh, he laughs at it, though, because um, Longfist goes, oh, I'm going to I'm going to Hedderby. And she goes, oh, why are you going? I can't have uh, 
I can't have... Oh, no, he goes, he goes, Crystal will still be here. And he goes, I can't have sex with him. He's a gay boy. And he goes, oh, gay boy. I love that. That's so retro. Is it? Is it playful banter so that we know they're yeah. all friends? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. But did you see who played him in the American version? Did you spot him? Um, was it uh, Thingy from Altered Carbon? Yeah, it was. Because I saw him in a scene at the end, and I was like, what the fuck's he doing here? What's the actor's name? Joel, Joel Kinnaman. Kinnaman. Yeah. Joel Kinnaman. What's he doing here in this one scene? Takeshi Kovach, nine years ago, was in Go With The Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, see, he's kind of like a a non-character almost. Uh, Anita, actually. Anita, and uh, so I'm glad we've got to Anita, because what I was thinking about... Now, I think, before you correct me, which you probably will, I think that Anita has four different treatments in each version. Yeah, you'll have to tell me about the graphic novel. Uh, but okay. Anita in the book uh, is Cecilia's sister and Harriet's best mate. And, spoiler alert, Harriet doesn't die. Uh, Anita swindles her off the island. I think we can say that now because yeah. we've, we've, we've jumped around so much I think the whole plot <laughs> uh, Anita gets Harriet off the island and in, in the book, Harriet ends up living in a convent in Italy for a little bit under the name oh, of Anita she, yeah, Van Gogh. Yeah. Under the name of Anita Van Gogh, which is where she meets her husband, moves out to Australia, uh, becomes Anita something else. I can't remember what her surname becomes. Yeah, yeah, what I can't her married she gets is. married anyway. Uh, but she's alive and well, uh, Anita, in the in the book. Mikhail goes to visit her, taps her phone, finds out that uh, Harriet's living in Australia. In the Swedish language version, he's dead. She's died of cancer. Yeah, he <laughs> and, just got rid of her completely. And uh, yeah, and I can't remember how do they find Harriet in the end in that one. Um, how do they get to Australia? Oh, Elizabeth just sends me an email. Doesn't she? She fucks yeah. off and sends me an e- and leaves him a note or an email saying there are two Anita Vangers. One died in London in whatever year. <laughs> And one's living in Australia. And it's like, all right, but they okay, say this they is say weird. it so early on as well. Like they yeah. get ahead of being like, oh yeah, these, this is the family tree. This is Anita. She died of cancer. Yeah. two years I ago. clocked that and, straight and I away. Like, I was like, why? <laughs> and I was like, but she's not in the. Yeah, I I thought that was weird. In I was David, like, maybe it's to save the budget of going to England. Maybe <laughs> they it, can just find somewhere in Sweden and put an orange filter on it and make it into Australia. But, yeah. <laughs> If you're not in England, you don't have the big red buses and the telephone boxes, you're not going to know where they are. That's true. That's true. Um, in David Finch's version, Anita shows up quite early on. Mikhail goes to visit her, which doesn't happen in the book. Mick goes to visit her. Yeah, super early, isn't it? Yeah, he, go- he goes to visit Anita, in inverted comments. Uh, he goes to visit Anita at a bank or wherever the fuck she works. That was a good twist as well. Yeah, so David Finch changes the twist to and Harriet is Anita. You meet Harriet very early on in the film. Yeah. But you don't know it's Harriet. Because you think it's Anita. Because and... the ridiculousness in the book of uh, Anita looking so much like Cecilia, you would have pictures of them both if you're being an investigative journalist and you go, okay, they look similar. Maybe not all of the pictures that I'm saying that Cecilia are in at all Cecilia. Maybe they've got slightly different haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> um. That annoyed me a bit as well. But yeah, in the, the the film, so Anita is Harriet, and so Harriet wasn't in Australia. She was in London the whole time. Uh, and do you think that was a cash-in on James Bond audiences? I think it was. Why? 
because you get to see Daniel Craig in London well, speaking to other English people, and it felt like a clandestine kind of James Bond arena. Really? Yeah. I, I thought the intro was very James Bond, but we've we've spoke about that. Can you remember what happened to Anita in David Finch's film? Because I can't. So obviously Anita exists. She's a real human being in yeah. this world. Oh, yeah, she um, she um, moved to London at the same time. Yeah. No, no, no. She, she gets married in secret in Sweden. Uh, and then her and Harriet both moved to London at the same time. With two passports, one with the maiden name, one with the uh, marriage name. Okay. And then they both move over to London. But then um, Anita and her husband die in a car crash 20 years earlier. Okay, so the real Anita is dead in both of these films. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, so that... Th- th- so she's very mistreated in, in all of them. I know. She's only in, like, a page in the book as well. Um, I know. Yeah, so the, again, the ending is the same in that Harriet shows up alive and well. But the mechanism to revealing it and getting there is is slightly different. Which do, which did you prefer, if any? Well, that which Anita version? Yeah, which, film? which sort of mechanism to the ending? So the book where Mick uh, taps Anita's phone, finds out that Harriet's in Australia. Yeah, the Swedish I, I, I one like... where Anita's been dead all along, and he gets an email telling him to go to Australia. Or David Finch's one where Harriet is Anita. I thought I didn't like the Swedish one because it was like, Shit, why man. is why is Anita dead? Why is it specifically cancer? And it's you know it just seemed very streamlined. The book felt like a pre a pre epilogue because those kind of like whistle stop tours of various areas of the world at the end, yeah. And, it's a at big, end of it's book, a fairly long epi- epilogue type. Yeah, ending, but isn't it? in any story, it, it it seems to feel like they're kind of just wrapping things up, and but they've not started to wrap things up yet. They're still trying to find Harriet at that point or confirm Harriet. Yeah. So they go to London for like seven pages, and then they go to Australia, and it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I get it. They're trying to like increase the scope of where Harriet might be now, um, and it was good. But I I liked the fact that. Like I've actually put in my notes, I was I was texting myself while I was watching the Fincher one because there's not many pen and paper, like just with notes, and I've just put no Australia with a question mark and an exclamation mark afterwards. <laughs> I was like, why have they lost Australia? But then I realised that by introducing um, Daniel Craig's Daniel Craig Blomqvist talking to uh, Anita slash Harriet very early in the film, and then revealing it was Harriet all along is a boss twist yeah. for someone like me who has read the story three times already. It made me go, I was annoyed at first. I was like, no, no, that's not right. But then I thought, no, wait, that's a, that's a cool twist. Cause why go to Australia if you don't have to and watch all the sheep get called? What did that add to the story that there was a virus going around the sheep and they had to kill them all? Yeah. Cool. And I liked the fact that it streamlined it a lot more. Yeah. No, it, it was cool. And you're right that, if if you if you've read the book before going to see the film, you know what the twist is, and so what David Fincher does is change the twist ever so slightly to make you think, ah, okay, like that's yeah. that's different. That caught me off guard as someone that knows the story because I'd read the read the book, seen the Swedish film, and then watched David Fincher's film, and like like you said. When the Harriet being Anita, I was like, "What the fuck? My God!" Which was exactly the reaction because, I had when I read whole, the book. The whole visual similarities in the book is between 
um, Cecilia and Anita. Yeah, because it, it, it even says Harriet that Anita. Harriet has black hair in the book, and it's Cecilia and Anita that have the blonde hair, and it's those two that look alike, not Harriet. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. I liked it. It was it was a really really good uh, adaptation. Should we talk about Martin? Because we've not spoke about Martin at all. Yes. Who's your so favourite spoke... Martin? Just before we go in and talk, as we're talking well, let, about let, favourite, well, let, let's put a little bit of context. Okay. In, just so we can like reorientate everyone because <sighs> we've been we've been the, the compass the compass and Pocahontas. We've just been spinning around. Spinning and, around. There's no there's no truth. Right there. round like a so record baby. Right round. Round round. Meetspin.com. Yeah. We've done the uh, intro. We did intro, journey to Hedeby, arriving at Hedeby, and then the end. And then we did all our characters and then the ending, didn't we? So yeah. well, the... we did we did we did about layouts of stuff. Like I I could write in my head, I could draw from memory what my layout of the cabin would be. That's my strongest memory of all the locations and things. Oh, yeah. Um but yeah, it ends up that um, after all of this research, Henrik has a you know a heart attack and then he carries on anyway. And then uh, someone tries to sabotage Blomqvist by trying to shoot him in the head. He misses. Um, they kill his uh, cat. They miss. Well, it's not the his cat, cat but they kill the, the cat. Dies, who Can... high fives him on the way to the bedroom when he sleeps with uh, Erica? Did you notice? I, I did notice that. Did you? Sorry, just while, while we're talking about. Uh... Things I just realised that uh, you know when Mikhail he comes back from somewhere I don't know where he's been, uh, but he comes home in David Finch's version and um, he goes into the kitchen and he knocks something off the top of the fridge and he catches it really catches cool. It. Yeah, I I, I want to know if that was planned or not. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then he turns yeah. around. That the reason why I remember that is because he turns around and the captain and he's like, "How did you get in?" And it's someone's been in. Someone's mm. been in the house, which happens in the I book. really want to know whether that was planned because it's it looks really slick. And how do you plan that? I, I, I don't know. know. How do you make it roll so that he can catch it? How, how do you I make mean, it I mean, obviously, fall? they've got all it's the great. time in the world. They could take a million shots of that. Um, it, yeah. But yeah, um, the cat dies. They find out all of these... Uh, they, whilst looking into Harriet, they find all of these um, deaths related to the Bible quotes that his daughter points out or Salander points out, you know, yeah. depending on what version you're watching or reading. Um, and then it turns out that uh, Martin Vanger, who was the current CEO of Vanger Industries, who took over from Henrik, is the one who is killing all of these women, having taken over, have been taught by his dad, yeah. Gottfried, who is Henrik's uh, brother. Yeah, so all, all, was... all but one of those murders that Harriet finds is, is Gottfried doing. And then one of them becomes Martin. The first one that Martin did, yeah. where he taught him how to kill um, and rape. Or was it two? No, so it was two. Martin did two, didn't he? It was... He did Leah Person, which was his schoolmate in Uppsala. Yeah, so... But then I think Godfrey died after that. But in in the... In them, I'm sure, the last one that Godfrey could do, because he was still alive, Martin goes with him and Martin, Martin actually strangles and kills the girl. And then after Godfrey's dad, he kills another one. Does he kill Leah. the one in Hedeby? Is that what that one no, is? Kill, he, the first one he does on his own is at his school in Uppsala, is which is uh, Leah Person, yeah. And then Martin has been killing... But then he abandons the whole religious yeah. uh, like uh, edge of it all. He just, he just he just stalks them and learns about them. Yeah. So, so um, Martin's sort of uh, reason for doing all that is, is pretty is different in the different 
versions. In the book, uh, Martin says that he, he actually probably considers himself a serial kidnapper and the murder's just a consequence of yeah. that. It has to end that way so we can get away with it kind of thing, isn't it? Whereas in... Do correct me if I've mixed these up, but in the Swedish one, he loves the killing. He's all about the killing. And in David Finch's no, one, he's like all about I, the sex. He's all about the raping I feel, them. No, I, I feel like I feel like in all of them, that kind of conversation between uh, Blomqvist and uh, and Martin is pretty much identical. I was certain. I was certain that not that it changes much, but I was certain that the way that Martin phrases why he does what he does is different in each one because uh, I I made I, I might not have written it down on my notes. Martin makes a point in the book that the killing is a natural consequence of the kidnapping and he probably considers himself more of a serial kidnapper because that's what his thrill is. His thrill is like finding a woman, finding all about her, finding if it's safe to to kidnap her. Uh, and that's where he gets his thrill from and then is a, a horrible to them. And then the murder's a consequence of that. I'm, I'm certain in the in the other two versions... One is all about might, the murder, and one right. is all about the raping. You might be right. I'm not sure, but what but, but what I took from it was every every time I watched that scene or read that scene, it was it was not a carbon copy, but it was pretty close to a carbon copy. Like he would say to them, he would say to 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 Mikael, yeah, that you know, oh, I like talking to them and like watching the hope drain from their eyes. And if they're not, if they're uh, nice to if they think if they're yeah. nice to me and they say please and they say thank you then yeah I'll then I'll them, do something yeah. for them and then maybe they'll get away alive and it's really dark and, yeah you know uh, but I, I don't remember ever saying yeah I love killing killing's boss like I don't remember yeah. anything like that I may have misremembered always... that but I I thought that was one of the most consistent was... translations between all four yeah. and I, that's what I really liked about it yeah. but did you notice as well um, in the Hollywood film. You know, you know, because they have dinner quite early on. Yeah, the screams. You hear the screams, don't you? Yeah, but it, but he, he plays off like it's an open window. Yeah, so something's said, opened. Said, yeah, and it was just the door to the to the murder cellar. But which also answer, asks the question: Did Martin's missus not know about his his uh, his activities? In that's never acknowledged. Uh, in one of them, I think it's David Fincher's adaptation. In one of them. It's mentioned, oh, while we were upstairs with, he mentions, I can't remember her name, but while we were upstairs with me and my missus, who finds me very, pl- very uh, plain, plain, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So in that one, I don't think she knows. In one of them, she doesn't actually, I think it's again David Finch's one, she doesn't live anywhere near them. She like, tra- glow well, they're not married in any no, of them because she the, the whole trots. point about the, the Vangas is if they, if they get divorced, they don't marry yeah. again, isn't it? And I, and I think uh, I think Martin is already divorced. Is he? Am I right? No, I don't that? think he's ever married. No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not then. Um, but they have a very kind of strict rule about marriage, and I don't think it's a rule. I think it's just something that's happened. Mikhail notes it. He's like, they are. They get married. No, no one gets divorced in the Vanga family, have, and no, I don't that, think that's it's it. a they rule. They either get married and stay married, or don't, or never get married. So Cecilia, no Cecilia is still married, but she's been separated yeah. for however long because her husband is another man who hates women. But yeah, no, the, uh, I loved, even though it was incredibly different, I loved the Martin confrontation in David Finch's film. Like it was so tense. Again, different from what? 
di- different from the book. So no, I don't think it was. In, Apart uh, from having the knife in his pocket, no, 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 I think no. the it, fact that he got in through a side door and yeah, he explored a bit and he wasn't waiting for him there. I think it was much more accurate than any other adaptation. I completely disagree. In in the the book, doesn't Martin come round to his house just to see if he's all right? Or something. No. no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Martin comes home from somewhere, and Mikhail is on to him at this point. Goes into the cellar, finds the knight, finds the the hunting rifle. No, no, no. In, in the book, in the book, he he peeks into an open door, uh, and he sees the uh, the shooting rounds from the gun that like someone tried to have a pop at him, but he doesn't know who it is. Yeah, and he sees the hunt. He sees the hunting rounds, and he sees something else, and he sees uh, Martin in the background, and he goes, um, "Oh, hi! Why don't you come in?" Yeah. And that's when it starts. No, but it was it where was very it, where much. In the Martin, it was where it was very the, much in the book. It was very much. Oh, Martin knows that Mikhail knows. Everyone knows. Come into my murder cellar immediately. Whereas in David Fincher's one, there was a bit of comic relief. Do you not think when he slipped? When sorry, when Daniel Craig's running away, and just as he spots him, he goes and slips on his ass, and he goes, "What are you doing?" Is like just a. Out for a walk. Go for a stroll. Yeah, so, but, but there's that. And then Martin invites him in for a drink. And he goes in and it's really yeah, tense. But yeah, I think and, he and we knows know that he, Yeah, so he does, he does know and that's why it's different because he, Daniel Craig had done his little investigation around the house and then he was leaving and then Martin invites him back in for a drink and then all the, the tense sores and things happen and they have like a semi uh, discussion where, where Martin is, where Martin's like... <laughs> where Martin's like uh, feeling out if Mikhail knows uh, about everything, and th- there's a really tense discussion before Mikhail goes into the murder cellar and then gets gassed and gets knocked out. Whereas, yeah, the gas is only in the in that film as well, yeah, isn't it? Whereas I made a, in a, a joke of that. in a, in the book, a joke, a note. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, gas. you can't just say you've made a joke about it and then set yourself up for a joke like that. That's not how comedy works, Dan. Here we go. Um, Temporal comedy. Whereas in the book, it's like he walks into the house and Martin's like, hey, 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 come into my murder cell. He just looks in. Yeah, well, okay, he looks in and Martin goes, hey, come into my murder cell straight away and beats him up and ties him up. So it was different, but it was tense and I liked it. In the Swedish one, let me have a think. Uh, How does it work in the Swedish one? What happens in the Swedish one is completely different. Go on. Is that he suspects he suspects Harold because Oh god, they make yeah, he goes ju- to Harold's house. They they make the jump that all of the names are Jewish, which it, is it in the book? Because yeah. it's in both films. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, because Godfrey yeah, is so a racist. So they as say well. all, all of all of the books relate to the new the old testament, which is um uh, what Jewish people it's the Jewish Bible, isn't it? Is the is the old testament. Yeah. Well, yeah, they don't have, they it's don't not have like New Testament. I don't think it's the Torah or anything, but it's yeah, I know what you mean. Go on. So yeah, you go because they make the link to it being Jewish, and, and they go, "Oh, well, maybe it's Harold because he's a Nazi," and they go into Harold's yeah, house, yeah, and then uh, he pulls a gun on him, and then Martin comes in and saves, saves him. him, and he's like, "Oh no, come on, let, let's go for a drink. I'll, I'll help you calm down." And that brings me back to the David Fincher film. Actually, Harold seems very nice in the David Fincher film. Do you not think? I mean, other Martin than the fact that he's photographs. a big racist, he's he's well, like, yeah, like he's he, a placid he's, old man, isn't he? He's not, he, yeah, he's not like the but person you, in the book that shouts "whore" at his own daughter. Yeah, 
And and to Mikael, he's quite nice because he's like, oh, you want to come in see my Nazi pictures? Yeah. And you want to see other pictures as well? Here we go. Come on, sit down. I don't just stop everyone coming in. Just stop people that I don't like. <laughs> and he's just kind of very personable. And obviously he's a prick because he's a Nazi. But yeah, he yeah. Did, um, in the Swedish film, he did break into Harold's house. Yeah. Because he goes, oh, okay, Jewish names. Maybe it's Harold. And then Martin comes and rescues him. Um, and then I can't remember what happens when he gets to Martin's house. Does he hit him on the head or something? And then he wakes up tied up. Yeah, something like that. I can't. It's I can't. Like now that you've reminded me about the whole Harold house, I can't remember the jump between because he has a drink or is he drugged him in his drink or something? I can't remember the the actual jump between they're having their talk and then Mikhail being in the murder dungeon. Uh, I feel like yeah, no, the the, the confrontations are different, but again, we get to the same place, don't we? Although the the the, um, the monologue that um, Martin gives to Mikhail in the in the novel is pretty much the same as every other one, apart from he says he says a couple yeah. of very weird things in the book that he doesn't say anything else. He he says, uh, "I've never had a boy down here." Instead of yeah, in in the David Fincher film, he says, "I've never had a man down here." Other than my father, but that was my duty. That's what he says. He, he says yeah, that yeah, in yeah, David yeah, Fincher. Well. But I've never touched another man apart from my, my father or something like really fucking creepy. Like that. Yeah. Um, but he he says, uh, "I don't know how it made it. It gave it a, another level of weirdness." He said, "I don't. Uh, I don't know how how men taste. Like suddenly he's a cannibal as well, unless he's." Talking about giving him head. <laughs> that that was that was my interpretation. That's what I read into that. Really, really. It was like, oh, I find out what men take. Or yeah, that was my interpretation. Not what I took from it, Pete. Well, you've clearly tied up more men than me. Yep. He also <laughs> says a very fucked up line to him in the graphic novel version. Oh, does he? Yeah, he's try- he's trying to get information out of him. I can't remember what it is, but he goes tell <laughs> he goes if you don't if you don't tell me I'll be very angry. He just kind of goes, no, no, I'm not going to tell you. He goes, <laughs> if you if you tell me, I'll be nice. I'll only fuck you in the holes you were born with. Fuck me, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I-, <laughs> I know it's so dark. That is horrible, and that's Martin that says that. That's Martin. Jesus he says Christ. that to Bonfist, Yeah, I know. Like he'll just like, and there's there's another. It's going back a bit, but I'm I'm looking through my quotes now. There's a a back and forth between Blomkvist and Erica when he when she comes to visit him on Hedeby. Yeah, uh, and she's just walked in on Blomkvist sleeping with Cecilia, like 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 happens in the book. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And she's not annoyed or anything because obviously she has a husband and knows that he does all this James Bond stuff, all this extracurricular activity. Uh, but they they take a walk afterwards, uh, and he tries to kiss her, and she goes, "Oh no!" And he goes, oh. "She's like, he's like, why are you you like it when I kiss you?" And she says, "It doesn't matter how good the food is. If someone's licked the plate afterwards, it makes it very unappealing." <laughs> uh, but then he says to her, "But Erica, someone's always licking your plate," <laughs> and she goes, "That is a very unsavory." <laughs> <laughs> Oh jeez, that's brilliant. The dialogue's proper witty. You have to read the volume too because the 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 dialogue is. I will. I'll come. I'll come get it off you. Yeah. Uh, also, I think we're pretty much wrapped. I think so. 
But I want to mention a couple of other differences that I have written down. They changed the name of the Hedeby Children's Parade in the David Fincher film. Children, does it to Children's Day or something? Is it? Well, one it's, of them? It's, a, it's the Children's Day Parade in all of them, apart yeah. from the David Fincher okay. film. It, it's the Yacht Club's Autumn Parade. Oh. I don't know why that was necessary to change. Don't know. Um, the flower weird flower room I've noticed. Uh, I've mentioned even uh, the heavy use of London. Because I think I think James Bond ties. You acted like he didn't just like he didn't agree mm, with me. I don't think. Oh, he's he's James Bond. Let's put him in London. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what I'm they did. I'm not sure. I'm not Cause, sure because in every other I'm version, not he's, in London, he's in London for but like I'm not this amount of time, like seven seconds. And but he's got like a big stretch in London in the David Fincher film because he's got a Hollywood star who was known yeah. as James Bond. They can have um, more establishing shots. They can have a shot that, like, I'm sure they do it actually. That goes down from big from Big Ben down to the Houses of Parliament, down to a square <laughs> where Mikhail and, and Daniel Craig are there holding his gun in the air. For <laughs> cinematography, I imagine. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the heavy use of. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but the product placement of Apple products in the book. You know what I, I mean? don't think it's product placement as much as it's using real-world it technology. The best yeah. computer at the time was that Apple PowerBook or whatever well. it is that I Elizabeth thought that buys. as well, but I did, I, I did a quick search about it, and I found this fan forum, and I was like, some, some fan was like, is anyone else annoyed that Steve Larson is just mentioning Apple all the time? Why is he doing product placement in a book? And then someone answered, like you said then, saying, well, obviously that was the best laptop. But he just he mentions yeah. all the specs. But I guess in at that point you are in Lisbeth's head, and she knows yeah. all of these. You know, she obsesses over that, this stuff. I'm sure they mention as well that she she picks like a Canon digital camera out of her, her pocket. It's not. Yeah, it's not yeah. necessarily product placement. It's letting you know that she does have an Apple. She doesn't have. I don't know what's a cheap laptop. A Chromebook. Not that Chromebooks existed at the time. Is that both the both the films were commissioned by Sony? Yeah, and well, they use a lot of Sony so products in the Sony when they films. Were it, is that whether they'd replace all of the laptops with their uh, uh, Versios, Versios, which are the Vios. Sony laptops, and Versios, yeah. the, and there's a, there's a couple of them, but most of them are Apple. Yeah, so she she uses Macs and that, but like the home security interface that she uses, that's a Sony yeah. one. There's the like phones. a proper advert shot of it. Yeah, the, the phones, you, you'll know, like, I'm pretty certain anyway, it's it's difficult because it was 2011 and they didn't have cool phones in 2011. But I'm pretty no, sure. No, that, that's another thing. There was a close-up of a Sony Ericsson, did yeah. you see? Yeah. Uh, when Sony Ericsson's are already obsolete by the time this film comes out. <laughs> you notice that there's there's a shot in Casino Royale, you know, at the end of Casino Royale, and he, he's, he's on the boat in Venice and he's writing his resignation letter and it's on a Sony Vaya and it's like, it shows the back of it and then he closes it and it's like, ah, oh, this is definitely a Sony film. It happens all the time in Sony films. They've always well, got that. Well, that astonishes in. me because I thought they'd be like, no, all the laptops in this are going to be Sony. But they stuck to the fact that Apple is mentioned a lot. Yeah, well, they, they, they are, for the, the types of thing that Elizabeth's doing, they're the best computer for the job. Yeah, Apple, the, Apple is mentioned almost as, as much as a coffee. Yeah. You know, and uh, Billy's so Pizza. Coffee. Um, and sandwiches. 
there's a there was a cool scene in the David Fincher film. I'm sure you can tell by now that I really like the David Fincher film, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where Mikhail's trying to get something up on his computer, uh, and he's yeah, Lisbeth sitting at the saying. computer, and she's been like going through all his shit, and she's dead quick and using all like keyboard shortcuts and that. And then Mikhail has a proper forty year old dad moment where he's like he can't use it properly, and there's an error sound. And he's getting really stressed, and Lisbeth's obviously like getting really stressed. And then it's just to get the fucking pictures up. <laughs> it's just to get the gallery up. That already up. He just wants one specific one. Yeah, it was a really funny scene. I did like that. It was awesome. And then Martin's death as well is always in a car. Yeah, but in both films, there seems to be a point where Lisbeth looks Martin in the eye, and in the Swedish one especially, has chance to save him. Yeah, so that that one, I never sort of read into it too much in the in the book. Obviously, she's chasing him down the motorway. He just and, he just bursts into like an oil tanker and like yeah, he's instantly dead in the he book. Go, he goes into the wrong lane and crashes into a tanker, yeah, and dies. But in the Swedish film, they tie it a lot more into Lisbeth uh, trying to kill her dad. So that that's where you you see the big flashback. You've already seen it, but you see it again longer. Of her throwing the throwing the, the Molotov cocktail into her dad's uh, car, and it kind of ties back in to that where he was a man who hates women. Women. This is a another man that hates women, and she's going. I don't burn. remember seeing that in the David Fincher film. No, I'm talking about the Swedish one at this point. In the David Fincher what, one, she, what, what she, she she throws a Molotov cocktail at her dad's car. In the Swedish one, I don't remember the that flashbacks when she's a kid. And she throws something into a car and it goes on fire. I don't remember that. that well, this it is like... there in the Swedish one. Um, Do you know? remember I, when I watched this? you know how I know? It was um, when that weird silent thunderstorm happened. Really? Yeah. Because I was, I was at the rape scene and then my brother came in and went, come and see this weird thunderstorm. I was like, okay. So whenever that was, was when I watched that film. Okay, so that was two weeks ago. Two and a bit weeks ago then. Nearly three. Yeah, but I don't, I don't remember the Molotov cocktail at all. But yeah, she she throws a, a milk bottle or a milk carton full of petrol at her dad's car and throws it a light and she remembers that while she's staring at Martin and she lets him die, basically. In David Fincher's one, uh, she says to Mikhail, can I kill him? And he nods, which yeah. is a different dynamic from in the book because when yeah. she gets back uh, in the book, uh, Mikar's like, I understand. I, I wouldn't have done it myself, but I understand why you did what you did. Uh, but in David Finch's one, she makes him crash in the town of Hedestead and like walks towards the car uh, with a gun. There's an ass shot. Uh, and then she walks towards the car and it goes up. <laughs> yeah. But he's it's slightly but different still, again. Same, same outcome. contact with him as well. Yeah. Same as the Swedish one. S- same outcome. Slightly different. Um, way of getting to it well that's what I mean in the, in the book it's a soulless death he's just he's just yeah. trying to escape and he just dies Crashes and in both of the films she can see him yeah his eye contact and then he dies it, that, that would be and a not, shit death also, in a film though wouldn't it if he just crashes the car 200 metres in the, front of uh, the club shot to the face whilst it sounds painful and it's described as painful in all of them looks the worst in the David Fitch one because he's driving the whole time yeah. with his jaw all with the, the, the prosthetics side, yeah with a big Cut across it. it looks so painful. Um, and then the only other thing that I have on there is um, 
Officer Morel, Detective Morel, even. Yeah, there's not much to him. I think that well, there's not. But all the the, the minor difference that I found between all of them is that in the in the book he'd retired. Yeah. In the Swedish film, he was still active. Yeah. And and the the weird thing was, I know what happened in the graphic novel. I can't remember what happened in the Swedish one. But you know the Re- the Rebecca Jacobson case. Yeah. Um, it was haunting him in the novel. Okay. Whereas in the graphic novel. No, it no, haunt, it's he, it's not haunting. He tells the ta- it's, he it's, tells the tale of another officer who yeah, haunts. That that's what it is in the book. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he he doesn't do the Rebecca Jacobson one. It's it it's Harriet Vanger is his Rebecca Jacobson. That's how he describes it. It's another I thought, detective. I thought he said that to Henrik, um, Harriet is to, is what it is to him. Is Rebecca Jacobson? Is it not? Uh, yeah, Harriet Harry is his Rebecca Jacobson case, and that a different detective was investigating the Rebecca Jacobson murder, never solved it, and that's haunting him. Whereas the I Harriet Vanger is Morell's. I think I think no, Morell's you, I, case. I know was... for a fact that you are wrong. <laughs> in the book, <laughs> in the in the in the book, Morell didn't investigate Rebecca Jacobson. Because Rebecca Jacobson okay. died way before Morell was a detective. I agree to disagree. Rebecca Jacobson died way before Morell <laughs> was a detective. She died in like the forties or fifties, didn't she? It was it was it was uh, Godfrey's first murder or something, and uh, Morell wasn't a Pete, detective. Pete, ag- agree to disagree? No. <laughs> you might be right, and I'm not trying yeah, to lie. Right, I am. Cheers. But I don't think that's right. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, and then it ends up the same way with Wenstrom going to jail. Um, Ending up dead. With uh, with Elizabeth impersonating someone and taking all of Wenstrom's money. Yeah, takes, it's, a, it's taking his... Per- she takes his personal money, I think. I think that's yeah. what it is. That's his actual money. He empties money. all of his, his Cayman accounts. Yeah, or is it... Is it his personal money? Because he gets killed yeah, by Colombian cartel, and, and is it their money that she steals? I can't remember. No, Either I, way, I think what I think what it is is that she empties the accounts, and then he doesn't have any money to pay them, so then they uh, kill him. Yeah, okay. Because it gets it gets described as a gang style shooting, so they're yeah. like, "Where's my money?" Pop pop, and then they um, and the ending. The the ending's actually a bit different in the film. Yeah, the obviously, we're talking one, about the it, films at this point. The last, the last shot in the Swedish one is of her wandering off, isn't it? Yeah, it's a happy ending. She walks off into the sunset almost, mm. uh, which is different from the book, uh, and it's also different from David Fincher's one, which which are, are almost identical. She buys a different present for him uh, in in both, but Elizabeth yeah, it's a, it's is a there with a present and an for him. Elvis sign, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, uh, she buys a present and is going to give it to Mikhail because she's in love with him. Uh, she sees Mick with. Erica, and they're going to go home and smash. Um, and it makes her sad. And she puts it in the bin and leaves. They are going to smush booties. Um, it's a, they've got they've got a CD of original smush jams that they're going to get. <laughs> um, I, find it, I find it a little uh, bit hard in, to in, feel too sorry for her, though, because she, in the graphic novel at least, says, she just outwardly says, I don't want to have sex with her anymore. And he goes, why? And she goes, uh, because 
uh, I'm not enjoying it and I miss my girlfriend because in the graphic novel she has a steady girlfriend you know the girl that oh uh, really Mika- she takes up at the bar uh, yeah yeah that's her girlfriend she's called Mimi everyone who sees it goes oh how's Mimi yeah and when he and when he barges into the apartment in the book and then the David Fincher film which again is another lift from my mind is really well done because yeah. he's kind of he forces way he forces himself in to her apartment but in a playful way and then is just plays it off with yeah in a non-threatening way yeah sit down let's have breakfast it seems quite threatening in the swedish one yeah exactly yeah um but yeah but that that's her girlfriend in the graphic Um, novel but then um he she goes i'm gonna go back to my girlfriend and then she goes no i don't want to i want to break up with you and then tries to get back with mikhail and then he's already with erica again and he gets she uh, she gets annoyed oh that's a bit different that makes elizabeth seem like a bit of a bitch like yeah. Mimi is in the book, obviously, but she's more like a casual fuck buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That makes it seem like a bit of a bitch in the in the novel. She's like, in the graphic novel, where she's yeah, like, "Oh, I've been palmed off. Let's go to the guy that I palmed off." And oh shit, he's palmed <laughs> me off. Now I'm mad. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That makes it seem like yeah, a bit yeah, of a yeah. Dickhead. Uh, which but, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying isn't. in the. In the uh, in the novel and in the David Fincher film, um, it's it's an attempt to reconnect again by buying him a present at Christmas. Whereas in the Swedish film, yeah. she's fine at the end of it. She wanders off and has all of um, Venestrom's money. Yeah. So my my point there that I that I'm gonna make is that I haven't seen the next two films, and you haven't seen the next two films either. And they were done. They were produced back to back. Uh, so it might get addressed in the next one. Maybe it's one of the first scenes in the second film that she tries to reconnect with Mick, and uh, he's getting down to smush Mick, downs are you best mates? Uh, with Erica Berger. Who knows? Yeah, I've written him down as Mick in my uh, in my notes because it was easier to write than Mikhail or Blomqvist. So he's down as Mick. Blomqvist itself is like half a syllable too long. Because we are say. we are best buds. It's it's the K say, into well, the V before, that I struggle with. Blanc Vist. Before we finish that, as I said to you, is that when, when he solves the case pretty much and then goes back to Hedderstad, uh, or back to Hedderby Island, I should say, um, and then they're just there yeah. for no reason because that's the, that's where they're used to being together. But they have no real purpose of being there. It yeah. feels like at the end of a video game where you or, or like a semi-free, like GTA, like San Andreas, were you, what's the name of the road yeah. in San Andreas? Like the the coldest Grove Street. Called? Grove Street. You go back to uh, Grove Street. Grove is like your Street. headquarters, and you you have a purpose. <laughs> you, you have a, a purpose Grove Street home. And then, but then you get there at the end. You've completed it's San not Andreas. There. You go back to Grove Street, and you're like, well, "What's the point of me being here now?" That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Well, you finish Fallout 3 and you go back to Vault 101 and it's like, and you've done the side quest there and you go back to Vault Vault 101 and it's like, oh. In fairness, you can't actually go back in because you get locked out. Um, Should we we rank our our versions? Okay. I'll go first. I'm going to go first on me. I'm not going to, I'll go first. I'm not going to rank the comic book. Because I skim read half of it. Because you haven't finished it yet. So I'm not going to rank it. Uh, uh, so number three for me is Swedish film. 
number two for me would be David Finch's American film, and then the book is number one for me. But there's quite a big gap. So the Swedish film is like I got, I got lost there. What order you were doing it is? What what was two. what was first? And was the, the book from, from David Finch's film? Number one was My favourite is the book. My second favourite okay. is David Fincher film. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then the uh, quite far away behind is the Swedish film. I did like the Swedish film, but it's it's on another level. It's like championship football teams being really actually quite good, but they're not as good as Liverpool and Man City. If you put them alongside each other. Um, uh, well, no, I'd, I'd say was... that David Fincher film is Man City. And then uh, the TV, the the the, uh, the book is Liverpool. It's far and away better than Man City. So won, anyway, the Premier League. So Premier anyway, League. my uh, <laughs> my ranking is uh, the book is obviously the best because there's, there's it has all of the Hipster. things that when when you when you look at all of the other versions, you go, okay, it has that in. Oh my god, it has that. The book has all of that. So you're not you're not scrambling for good things. You're right. It does. Already, already in the book. <laughs> no, I get you. Well, all you the amazing mean? things are there, and then all, all the amazing things are there, and then the um, you're not you're not you're not you're not the, the different adaptations sort of take there. various amazing things. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm a bit lost between the two films because. The David Fincher one is very good, but I really en- I enjoyed the Swedish language one a lot more than I thought I would. There was so- there was some lifts from my brain in that film. Mm, I enjoyed it more than I thought. I didn't I like the well. Henrik and the road trip when they're sorting out when they're sorting out the uh, the murders uh, and they do that road trip. I really like that. But the overall feel of the American film was better for me. They made the the Beerman too uh, remorseful. I don't think that was. There was no point yeah. in doing that. He was a dick. Why, why try and make him like even a little bit like personable? I don't think it's genuine. I could have that. It's the third place. Yeah, I'm going to give second place to the Swedish film, but a very close third is oh, okay. the Fincher film, and then the graphic novel. Yeah. The end. I, I would like to say that I don't think uh, Berman's uh, being apologetic. I don't think it's sincere in the slightest. Think it's part of his manipulative in the David Fincher film. I think it. I, I think plan. it's kind of. It's meant. It, I think it's meant to be. And do you know why I think it was? Because I had. I had a bit of a. A weird. Kind of realization when I was reading the book, and I was reading that I was reading that BMM bit, and I was like, "This guy's a prick, and he's obviously the, <laughs> one of the worst people to ever exist." And then I thought about. Uh, Stieg Larsson and I was like can you imagine if like imagine if you wrote that book and someone read it and they'd be like fuck you wrote this are you fucked up in the head when you think about it Stieg Larsson was writing a villain yeah and, and I, f- I feel I feel like if you if you can write a really good villain it makes you a really good person because you're writing the worst person that you can ever think of yeah. and if everyone agrees then it means then you're a good person as well because you you disagree with everything that they stand for. Yes, I get that. I get that. The, but the, I do the think in the David Fincher film, they, the David Fincher film, they tried to soften him a little bit by making him feel like a little bit remorseful, and it was like they shouldn't have done that because he's a dickhead. He is. He is obviously a dickhead. I, I, yeah, I don't think it was sincere. 
think it's part of his how he manipulates her. Or how how he tries to manipulate her personally. But like he never he never apologizes in any other story other than other than that film. He goes, Oh, I feel sorry. I feel bad about the way that we left things last time and she goes, Me too, and tases him. But that that's that's how they sort of say that. But that's a weird abusive... script. Even if that's just a script choice, it's a weird script choice to take. That that's that's how they say that uh a, a, like a, abused wives stay with their husbands because the husbands will beat them black and blue and then apologize about uh, apologize about it later. It's not necessarily sincere. Part of a con- controlling element. I agree with that, but like with from a filmmaking perspective, you have to be really obvious with everything. And the fact he was you like, don't. Oh, we should. You don't have to be really obvious about anything, unless you make I mean, a mission you do, impossible. Especially, especially, especially with crime fiction, because with crime fiction, if you're reading the book, you can drop you can drop clues into crime fiction books and them not mean anything. If if, but with, if you're reading, but with if TV, you're saying that things. Let me let, let, let me finish. Let me finish first. Let me finish first. With crime with crime fiction books, you can drop details in and it not mean a single thing because you're concentrating too much on generating the landscape and what the characters look like and all of their voices and things like that. So you forget about all the red herrings that get thrown in. I feel like with TV and film, everything that you put on screen has to mean something because the whole thrill of watching something like that is that you're trying to make the person who is watching it feel clever. So you have to you have to give them clues to go. Oh, okay, well he looked angry then, so obviously he didn't agree with something that happened in the room, or he looked a little bit sheepish then. So maybe this happened earlier. So it, it, it's it's a different as we said before at the, at the very top of the show. You have to adapt certain things uh, according to what medium you're delivering it in. I I I see that, but to to say that things need to be obvious in films is you may as well have a banner at the start that says Martin's the bad guy at the end. If things have to be obvious. <laughs> there, there is, there is one. Have, but there it's, is it's one. one of those things. In the David Fincher where film. You re- it, yeah, but it's one of those things where you watch the film He's again and you're like, He's lit ominously from behind in the corridor. But that's the, which, ca- that's the kind of thing even... that you notice after the fact. Because, because Martin is such a nice guy, outwardly, but he's actually a horrible person, just like Berman. He tries to come across as this really nice guy and he tries to come across as sincerely apologetic to what he does to Elizabeth in David Finch's version. He tries to be sincerely apologetic, but he isn't. It, it's, it's developing, it's, it's making those characters feel more real and more human as opposed to them just being moustache twirling, uh, cane. <laughs> I was about to villains. go, yeah. It was like, do you remember the that You see them straight dimension, away and you're like, it's him, u- he's the bad guy. Do you remember the alternate, the alternate uh, universe version what, of the, the Star Trek Discovery characters, and you were like, "They're a bit, they're a bit too evil, aren't they? Like, th- there's no good things about them. Like, yeah. yeah, we'll kill all of them and eat them in soup. Anyway, yeah, we're it's, we're yeah, it's a bit, it, it's way off topic, bit on the nose. So that was our, that was our well, we, we're, we're staying very much on topic. It's just we've gone a bit down a rabbit hole, and let's leave this rabbit hole. Well, we were, we were, if if we were on Patreon right now, that would be our, you know, five pound extra on the end we've gone a lot longer than any other episode which neither of us are surprised about let's be honest no we knew this was going to happen that's why we've had the week the week layoff the week extra so the next episode will take a while which is you meant to deliver the news 
Oh, am I? Uh, it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone next. Yay! Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the film and we're going to talk about the book of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Bibby currently has my book. We're uh, checking I read out. it last year. Which I can only Again. find on VHS at the moment. Everyone I know has it on VHS, but not on DVD. I, I've got it on DVD. Uh, my parents have it on v- on VHS. I've got it on DVD in the house. So once I've watched it with Becky, you can borrow it if need be. I think they're all on Now TV if you've if got If we had uh, another two and a half hours, we could also do the PS1 game. but <laughs> And the Game Boy game, the Game Boy Color game that was fucking mint. It was like an it was old game Final Fantasy, game. but Harry Potter. Yeah, it was amazing. I had yeah. I had the the one for yeah, Philosopher's Stone, and I had the one for Chamber of Secrets. It was amazing. It was like a top down RPG. Was that a top down turn based combat? It was great. No way. Amazing. That sounds sick. Uh, you should all, by the way, if if you're willing to listen to us for almost two and a half hours, uh, <sighs> you may as well follow us on Instagram and oh, socials, Facebook. Yeah. We are Tell Me Again Pod on both. We don't have a Twitter because neither of us know how to use it. Or what yeah, when one of us can work it, out how to work, Instagram and Facebook. We'll be on it. Or we, we are, we're, we're like we in between. We have the, the, the social boomer media social managers. media presence of Facebook and the uh, the teenage presence of Instagram. It's, it's mad. Facebook is Facebook's dead boomer, isn't it? Don't people yeah. use like Snapchat as a legitimate social media nowadays? And I just use it to make I don't memes. Know. Should we get on Snapchat Not as well? If this, if this, uh, if this episode gets more, if this episode gets more than ten listens, we will get a Snapchat as well. Oh, uh, right, I'll teach you how to use phone apps properly. But now we have to go because we're at nearly two and a half hours. So, how are we going to do the last theme tune? Is it to do with my ET T-shirt? Yes, you are also an alien. <laughs> <laughs>